Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Welcome back to another episode of Mother May I Sleep With podcast. I have a special guest here today. She is a nacho expert. She's also a woman whose whole life is about to change. She's moving to the big city of New York from Charleston. Her name is uh, Pippa Allen. Hey, girl, what's up? It is indeed. Hey, Molly. I'm uh, so hyped to be here right now. And I know we were discussing this before this, but yes, according to my voice, I am exceptionally sexy. So when all the nacho experts look me up later, they will not be disappointed. I love it. Honestly, I love having a sick voice. I love listening to one. I love being in person with one. Mm -hmm. It's just so it's like there's something exotic about it. Yeah, it makes me feel like I'm a little bit more mysterious because in all honesty, my normal voice is um, just awful. And so this is <laughs> frankly the best way that I could be approaching you in this moment. Like, I'm glad that I have this like shield up. So um, listen, guys, this movie is Martha Inc. This is one of two movies that Sybil Shepard made. Uh is that did I say that right? Sybil Shepherd. Um, wait, am I, I saying so. this right? I'm sorry. I feel like I'm having one of those moments where I don't know if I'm saying words or not. Sybil Shepherd. She also did another one after this called Martha Behind Bars, which was a, another made for TV movie. I think I remember these being bangers back in the day. Um, but and I and I think I might have even watched them passively, but I was probably like in college and stoned or something or I only kind of half cared. Um, right. Well, my whole thing about this movie is that I had no idea there was a second. And I think what happened was NBC just got so hyped that Martha was going to prison that they were like, we need to hop on this before we get the final verdict. So I kept on waiting and waiting for her to go to jail. And I was like, why are there five minutes left in this movie? And she's still out there just in her chambray out on the streets. But no, they never showed her getting indicted. Yeah, they dunked on her hard, dude, because like this isn't the rival network. They have so much money. They absolutely took away Lifetime's ability to, to do anything with this meaningful. I mean, this was major. Um, and I'm sure. Yeah, I mean. I would have loved it now. If this happened now, I would be all over this. But we got a recommendation to do this. Um, full transparency. I don't know that much about Martha Stewart. I think I know some fun stuff, but this is not like if you're a Martha Stewart expert, this is not you're going to probably be yelling at the phone the whole time. So, oh, yeah. And I'm staying on board. Yeah. So when all this Martha Stewart shit happened, I was, you know, what, seven. So I just remember seeing it on tabloids, like a Kroger being like, yeah, that Martha Stewart girl, she's bad news. And Jessica Simpson's fat as fuck. Like that was the takeaway at the time. So, right. <laughs> so that's yeah, pretty much dark, all I had at the time. That was dark <laughs> shit, a very dark time in our nation. Right. Um, but yeah, I, uh, 
I think that that will be interesting, though, to hear a younger perspective on it, because I feel like she's had this resurgence. That's crazy. Like it almost like gave her new cred. Oh, yeah. I mean, all of a sudden she's like the hottest 80 year old in the biz. I mean, obviously she has all the shit with Snoop Dogg. And then, of course, she's still doing her wholesome Martha bit. So it's all very all over the map. But I feel like she's just never taken an opportunity and said no to it literally ever. Do you think that she's like made back all of the money she lost during this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I totally think so. 100%. I mean, probably, right? Right. Because I feel like at this point, like, also, she's so hot that I feel like someone that hot and that powerful can't possibly be in the in the red. You know what I mean? She is so hot. They they allude to that subtly so many times throughout the movie. Like, it almost was like a little like. I was like, damn, like, are you suggesting Martha Stewart only got this far because of her looks? Like, because every but guy also, would be like, mm, like, you know, like even the right. guys, a Kmart executive with food and like, basically, I don't know. I mean, it seemed like the implication of a threesome. Oh, 100%. I wrote down in my notes. I was like, I think that Martha and her you know, friend with the giant hair are about to Eiffel Tower this exact over the risotto. Dude, it was all very sexual. She is, yeah, a sexual creature. So, okay. Um, basically, the way we're going to do this is as usual, but because these things are like real, we're probably going to have a more real conversation about it. Um, so we open up on an iconic scene. Um, it's a busy morning. They're taping the Martha Stewart show and Martha arrives in her SUV and we cut to the studio where people are scrambling to get ready. Guys, this movie is so campy. I don't know why we don't like watch this at parties. This movie's crazy. This is the first scene, 35 seconds to two minutes and 33 seconds. All right, people, she's in the building. Let's go. I've got Bosk and Bartlett. Which one do you think she'd like? Whichever one we don't choose. I'm going to give her the Pinot Noir and hope for the best. Maybe she'll forget that she asked for the Merlot. Oh, yeah, that'll happen. Hello, everyone. Did you get the ginger from Morocco and the cinnamon from Sri Lanka? We're making root beer next week. I need birch bars. My limo driver never showed up. Get a new one. I want that recipe for chicken frittata on my desk before the next segment. We need the right pairs, please. And did we finally get the boss pears? I'll get them. I don't they understand. I just want it done correctly. It's a food show. I get it. Why don't they? I get it too. Listen, you've got a benefit tonight, 9 p.m. Guests will include Oprah Winfrey, Rosie O'Donnell, Madonna. I've sat here with Tom Brokaw. Uh, today at one o'clock, you have a book signing for the foundation. Uh, at three o'clock at East Hampton, you have a photo shoot. And at five o'clock, at five o'clock. I need the birthday cake. And at five o'clock. Come on, people, let's go. Ten seconds. Final touches. Step away. In five, four, three. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart. And today on Martha Stewart Living, we are going to poach pears and red wine. The results are really delicious. We have some special friends to help me bake a birthday cake. They'll be our cookie of the week. And of course, we're gonna learn something new. 
So stay tuned. It'll be fun. And cut. Who opened three bottles of wine? Do you know how much a good bottle of red wine costs? And for God's sake, did I not ask for Merlot? Okay, so right away we get Martha is meticulous, right? She's she's right. She's meticulous, but also her staff sucks, right? Yes, exactly. She's difficult to work for. She's very demanding. She's driven. And also she's cheap. And I love that they included this little Merlot detail with her being like, why did you open all this wine? Because Martha is a notorious, not cheap person, but Martha is known for like grabbing like appetizers from like parties and putting them in her purse for her dogs. Like she, that's always like in the blind items. Like Martha loves like wrapping up a piece of birthday cake for the road. She loves taking leftovers. Martha's not opening wine unnecessarily. No, of course not. But the whole thing with the wine thing was, you know, they were making wine poached pears, right? And these tacky kitchen assistants are like, oh, well, we got her, you know, Pinot, whatever the fuck, instead of Merlot. I mean, I feel like that's not just a casual switcheroo. I feel like that's a huge fumble. And then somehow those guys kept their jobs continuously throughout the film, still just fucking up over and over. It wasn't not exhausting. I understand why she was so pissed. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I mean, listen, do you think she's meaner than Ellen? God, no. I think because Ellen, also Ellen's skinny, which anytime any, anyone's skinny is <laughs> you're mean. So, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but is, is that not wrong? I mean, because then it feels like they have this other layer of entitlement. And I mean, not that Martha's not, but she's oh boobs. And <laughs> <laughs> so in my head, it's like, no matter what Ellen does, even if she was so kind to me, I'd be like, that skinny bitch, that skinny bitch and her skinny bitch wife. Like, I feel like it would still be awful to me. Yeah, no, not to uh, comment on anyone's body, but like she is like slender man. Like she's like me, like long, but like I'm like, I'm not as skinny as she is, but she's like fucking long. She's got long arms like me. She's a very long person. And plus she just wears very long shirts that are never tucked into anything. So I feel like it's almost, you know, when it was a big time for the camisole, I feel like she took the camisole and ran with it. Good for her. Yeah, you know what? Good for her. She knows what she looks like. And I feel like she looks very aerodynamic, so to speak. But one of the reasons why I really wanted you to be in like for this movie, this movie came up. You had reached out to me like it was all the perfect synergy. The universe like came together and I was like, hey, we should do this Martha Stewart movie because a previous guest. Oh, my God. I'm spacing on her name it's like foxtail or something that's not really her name but i think that's what her name might be she had recommended this movie and i was like all right yeah let's do that you're a baker for like a few more days yeah i am a baker so i bake in the mornings and then i have another nine to five job so but that's what i've done since the start of the pandemic i like started baking on instagram kind of as a joke like after i graduated college And then uh, the pandemic hit and all of a sudden nothing was a joke and I needed a source of income. And all of a sudden I found myself baking as my full-time job. Like, okay. So what's, are you, are you working for a bakery? 
So I work in an ice cream shop, which is kind of great considering I'd never had any kitchen experience. So it's like, no matter what I do, it's all getting chopped up and thrown into ice cream. So there's no witnesses to everything that I mess up. It's great. Oh, I love that. Yeah. It's very, it's very dummy proof. I'm uh, training my replacement right now. And I keep on having to tell her, I'm just like, I'm probably not the person to be teaching you, but you know, kind of go in there and just have a good time. That's kind of where things are at. So you wouldn't say you're the Martha Stewart of the baking section? No, I'm the bumbling idiot who bought Merlot or whatever, not Merlot. That's who I am. Who got so really like lucky. it's a takes takes one to know one sort of situation. Oh, very much so. Like pot meat kettle in this film. I, I felt very much like I was identifying with the kitchen assistants. That's why I'm being so hard on them. But you're about to move to NYC, baby, and you're going to be probably a businesswoman. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be a girl boss for sure. Um, I will be working in PR, but I insist on wearing uh, three piece suits and just, you know, twirling a cane as I walk to the subway. That's kind of my intent. Girl, you could be Samantha Jones before you know it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I, I plan on, you know, marrying someone who is 30 years younger than me when I am uh, more of age to make that appropriate, considering that I'm currently 24. Right. I mean, right. listen. I feel like if we go through this movie, we can rate the things that you want to put on like your vision board that are based off of Martha Stewart's career trajectory. I think that's great. I think Martha is a great manifestation goal personally. So I'm actually very okay with that. She's really savvy. She's a little bit like goofus and gallant, but like with herself, like she's a like kind of like. I don't know, man, like she's very, very cunning, but I think she's also like, I don't, I don't think she gets it. Like, I feel like she doesn't, what's the deal with her? What's her deal? Does she, is she like a feeling person or not? No, I think she's more like, I think she is a human vision board. I mean, you know, when she was younger and she was just shafting that neighborhood kid and she's like, I'm Martha Stewart or Patonsky or whatever her, you know, pre, you know, name was before she was famous and married to the hot guy with the brown hair (laughs) her maiden name yeah yeah exactly her previous name because when you get married you become famous Uh um and so you know she's like shafting the neighborhood kid i feel like it's more just she just was always insisting on being important but i don't think she ever actually intended on it i think she's just very insistent as a person right yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Her dad might have. I mean, her dad really. Uh, she's her dad. She is her dad. Very much so. Also, um, they both have never hugged a person in their entire lives until they hugged each other, maybe four years into Martha's life. And I, I still think about that tension to this day from the first time I watched the film. Yeah. Intense. Intense. Yeah. So um, she has this like break during her show. And this is basically when she sees a news clip that her guy, Sam, Sam Waxel. OK, who's a very interesting character. We'll get to him a little bit more later. He's being arrested mm-hmm. for insider trading. And uh, basically, they're suggesting that Martha Stewart, since she just sold a bunch of shares, she might have known about it. So 
Um, she's got lawyers calling inside edition. Her mom's on it, but she has to go back out there and do her show. So there's these two little girls, Lily and Natasha, and uh, they're there to bake a cake. And uh, this is where her again, her show kind of sucked because they never figured out the ad libbing right with Martha. Like this. was No, she's not an ad libber. She's not a natural talker. She's here to do business, not to talk to Lily Natasha, who frankly kind of seemed like stone cold bitches. Am I wrong? Um, <laughs> I think they were probably confused, but yeah, no, I mean, they are. I mean, for like, honestly, it was, yeah, they were pretty uh, bitchy eight year olds. I agree. Like, so basically, <laughs> um, yeah, Martha's like, you know, we're baking a cake today. She's like, by the way, girls, did you know that when I was your age, that's how I got my start? And they're like, by baking a cake. And she goes, well, if you let me finish, Lily, I'll tell you. So like, where do we go from there? You're a kid. Someone says that to you on camera and they're a famous person. I'm eight. I'm dying inside. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would definitely shrivel up and die. But I feel like Lily and Natasha were there kind of as eye candy. They very much were seeking out... (laughs) You know, and uh, like there's like a radio announcement that says, you know, come to whatever the creepiest mall in your area is, and you can be on Drake and Josh, even though it's been off air for 17 years, and Sweet Life on deck. And right. I feel like that's kind of how Lily and Natasha ended up on Martha Stewart's set. So, frankly, I feel like no matter what was going to happen, I think they were kind of seeing it as their big break. Okay. I assumed it was like the, what, like the producer's kids, but. Who knows? So right, it could be one in the same. She was like, I used to bake cakes and sell them to the neighbors. And because she said when I was your age, Lily goes, when you were eight, she goes, what? I was nine. Like Martha totally forgot because she's, you know, her life is about to fucking fall apart. And she has to do this birthday cake routine intense. So we cut back to Martha's childhood And uh, she's in her home kitchen, like working on a cake when her friend Cynthia comes by to tell her that she's opening up her own cake business in the neighborhood, which that's fucked up, Cynthia. Oh, no. Cynthia was sneaky as hell. I think that was very wrong. I mean, she couldn't even do cupcakes. Why couldn't she be even just a little bit creative? Like, yeah, one could say that, like, she was honoring like their friendship by being transparent that she was opening up a rival cake business, which is, you know, the American way. That's totally fine. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she came to that conclusion to bake cakes on her own. Oh God, no. I bet her mom said something like, Oh, Cynthia, isn't it sweet how your friend Martha makes, you know, extra seven 11 money by selling birthday cakes. Why don't you do something like that? And Cynthia just said, oh, yes, by something like that, you mean I will do literally exactly that. I think that's kind of how it came about. You know, like the pretty girl at school who's like outstanding in every area, except like she's just socially kind of like off. But so like she's considered a nerd, but like she's not a nerd because like she doesn't like she does more of her own thing. Right. One hundred percent. Okay. That is who I think she is. Like, she seems like she would be difficult for her peers to have a conversation with. Right. Um, It's very much a look, don't touch kind of situation. But she's making smart moves. So people do have their eye on her. And she's like persistent. Oh, she's incredibly persistent. I mean, because, you know, Cynthia goes and brings this cake 
to the neighbor that Martha sets her up to bake. You know, she gives her this special recipe that says it's foolproof, cutest cake in the world, and then it just melts into goo. But also Cynthia has the audacity to deliver that trash to the neighbor. So she doesn't care about quality control anyways. Right. Right. The fact that she brought it over to show her, I was like, I guess she is really trying to do a make good. But I was like, no one needs to see that. No, absolutely not. Because ultimately, it's like whether you actually messed it up or decided that you wanted to eat it. The neighbor doesn't really care. The neighbor doesn't want to eat truly a birthday cake made by a nine year old. I mean, that's not that impressive. She probably did as a favor to Cynthia's mom. Right. I would think like the thing that would actually happen, but it wouldn't work well on camera is that the parents would go over and offer to buy a gro- like a cake at the grocery store and say, like, we'll take care of it. Like, I feel like that would be parent to parent. Oh, definitely. So, I mean, again, why would you send over a nine year old who's just failed miserably and been duped by her supposed <laughs> best friend to go look the neighbor in the eye? I mean, that's that's mortifying on so many levels. So we cut back to Martha in her studio where she's being interviewed about her insider stock trading stuff. And she's trying to just keep it on the salad that she's making. She keeps deflecting. And it's it's insane to think that she did these segments, but she had to right for the ratings. I mean, I guess so. And I I feel like she's almost one of those people that would refuse to not do what she had already signed up to do because she's such a person who cares about her image So even if she was handcuffed to, you know, a crowbar while she was making this, frankly, horrifying cabbage salad, she still would have done it because I feel like she just has to show face. Yeah, you're right. You're true. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you're true. I was trying to find footage of her, like getting angry on the show during that time, because I know it has to exist. Like, I feel like I even was pulling it for defamer, like when that happened or something like I don't I feel like Martha was always having sort of like strange moments on our show like that. But yeah, uh, we cut back to Martha in high school. She's pitching the class on how to get involved with the prom. She's doing this like long demonstration about the brownies she's making. They're establishing that this is who she always is. She's transforming the gym for the prom and she's trying to get everyone involved. Um, Then after class, these two girls, uh, you know, they're her bullies, Lynn and Peggy. And they're like, oh, you're reading Business Weekly. And she's like, yeah. I love Brownie Wise, the woman on the cover. She's a single mom who invented the idea for Tupperware parties. Now she's the VP. And Peggy's like, well, she wouldn't have to work if she stayed married. And Martha's like, well, she has two personal assistants. And then she takes her magazine back and like walks away. And once she's gone, Peggy says she always knew that Martha was a lesbian. Oh, yeah. I mean, they saw that business weekly and just pegged her so hard. I mean, it was uh, it was not very girl boss of them, quite frankly. Yeah, it's homophobic, very homophobic. And also just I feel like that was just so inaccurate. I feel like that was just kind of a shot out of left field, kind of because that was the only insult back then was like you're either married or you're a lesbian. Yeah, well, Peggy and Lynn didn't really like I don't think they went on to do big things, if I'm being honest. No, I highly doubt it. And you know, frankly, I bet they started hosting Tupperware parties and they probably could have taken a note from that Business Weekly article. Right. Exactly. Mm, that's a really good point. They probably work at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I see that for them. 
One thing to note in that scene is that one of the girls, I think Lynn is wearing a plaid coat that she kind of Martha kind of admired it. And she said her dad got it for her for Christmas. So after school, she runs home to work for her dad. Her dad makes root beer and all the kids work for him. And if you know, you know, like I've I can't say I've like worked in this particular environment, but like I can imagine that like this is, you know, when your family is like when your family like works, you all work together, right? Well, especially there's what six children in that house. There's an exceptional amount of children. They have the Von Trapp family singers making root beer and but they're pretty much just getting also quizzed on the root beer that they're making. But it's also not clear that they're selling this root beer. They, it never shows the dad peddling the root beer. It just has them making it this one time in the kitchen and it's never spoken of again. Yeah, there's no description of what the family does anywhere on anywhere on Wikipedia that I can see. But uh, well, so what I found is the dad is a stockbroker, which I feel like they made him seem like this eclectic weirdo, but he was a stockbroker like Martha was. Damn, because they, yeah, totally they did him dirty in this movie. Out. They yeah. totally did him dirty. Yeah, I wonder, like, because there's a, there's been strife in her family throughout the years. Like, I feel like I I feel like a, there's. There was a lot of vague allusion to things that I wish I knew more about, but mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. So, um, you know, she says that she was doing an extracurricular and he's like, don't worry about extracurriculars like you're going to get in college in other ways. And um, yeah, she's like, you know, definitely her dad's pet, but like he's extra hard on her, but mm-hmm. she's also the oldest. And I feel like she you do see like the way she sort of pushes back with him, like where she's like later on, she goes, I I should have my own room. I was like, that's ballsy, Martha. That is pretty ballsy because that's asking dad to either add a wing to the home for you or to expand real estate or to shuffle around the other five kids, which is honestly inconveniencing everyone and only benefiting Martha. I don't think she really thought that ask through. She def wanted the shuffle, but like also like you are a junior or Mm -hmm. whatever in high school and you're sleeping with your like 12 year old sister. Weird. Very weird. Very, very weird. Considering also how also sexual we know Martha is. I feel like she's not. She is someone that requires her own space. No, like, (laughs) no, for real. But like um, also, no, I know a lot of people have to like be in that situation. But I feel like, yeah, that's why I'm kind of feeling like Martha. I don't know. Um, Like, I feel like her 12 year old sister didn't deserve to be like her dorm mate, so to speak. Yeah, I guess so. Or like, whatever. I don't know. Just she should have dealt with it. You know, I don't know. She She had two more years at home. Like Martha kind of put your nose to the grindstone and think ahead when you're at Barnard. It's not a big deal. Exactly. So Martha's up late that night working on a little sewing project that looks a lot like Lynn's jacket. Mm -hmm. And her mom's like, you gotta go to sleep. She's like, I don't need much sleep. Not worried about it. Um, And her mom's like, you're just like your dad. She's like, don't ever say that again. So downstairs, her dad's also burning the midnight oil and she brings down like one of her magazines with her when she comes down to like help him out with like planting these tomatoes or something. 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, he's like, why do you buy, you know, these fashion magazines? She's like, I've been making my own money since I was nine. He's like, no, you don't have any money. It's like, it's my money. I pay for the roof over your head. I pay for the food you eat. Martha's like, I don't you know, I don't have anything, not even my own room. That's the moment. And her dad right. says if she wants something bad enough, she can do it when she's out of the house. Now, this is like weird. I feel like that you don't have money thing. Right. Because also their house is so large. They have such a an extensive family. And also, I mean, she is going off to college and expect at an Ivy, no less. And, you know, they intend on having her pay for it her own way. There is no way that she's just showing up to an Ivy League school and paying for it with like her modeling cash. Right. Like also like let a bitch have a magazine, like one of the few like freeing things in life is like the rare moment you get to lay down and just flip through a zine. Like, can she right, have, exactly like she, she can't have one thing. Yeah. Um, so he like picks up her magazine. He's like, this is shit. All these girls are ugly. Wait, you're way prettier than all of these girls. Let's get it going. So the family sets up and they take her headshots in the living room. Um, and the whole family is there. It, it can't just be her and her dad. He has all of her siblings sit there and watch her. It is bizarre. Dude, I love the psychological damage that I saw in that scene. Because you know. He, yeah. Like, are there mad memoirs like from her hater siblings? Like, I feel like there has to be people that were because there's a lot of like weird betrayal in that family. And I I mean, I can only imagine considering he's literally making them all sit there as middle schoolers and being like, look at your hot older sister. She is going to be rich from her face and all of you are going to watch her do it at this exact moment. He doesn't let them look away. It's so odd. Yeah. Okay. Sadly, it seems that a lot of her siblings have passed. Oh God. And they're yeah. younger. Um, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know. I'm just seeing a lot of obituaries. Um, maybe I'll have time to look into that later. So Martha runs into Peggy and Lynn at school and she's wearing Lynn's jacket better than her. Her version looks better. Lynn's looks so dowdy, like at this point. And like, it did kind of look cute. But now, like, they have it buttoned, unfortunately. And Martha's like, hey, girls, make sure that you watch American Bandstand tonight. Pay attention to the commercials. There's a surprise. So <laughs> the whole family gets together. She does this, like, Highland soap ad. She looks great. She sounds great. The next day of school, everyone's tunes have changed. Like all the boys are running after her and she's just basking in the moment. Um, Oh yeah. She's running down the front steps of the school, you know, as the bell rings because they've somehow all gone out at school at the exact same time, which never happens when you're in high school and they're just chasing her locked in there. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's always like, Oh, you're not dismissed until I dismiss you. The bell doesn't dismiss you. But in this reality, the bell dismisses you. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just chasing after her. Like she is, she is the hot commodity with her amazingly tailored coat that she somehow did by hand. And like in reality, Martha would not be the first person to leave the school. Oh, absolutely not. I feel like she'd be someone that would like want to talk to a teacher afterwards Oh yeah, or have to grab something that she like left in her locker. I feel like she's not thorough enough to be early to anything. School ends at 2.20 and she leaves at 3.50. Right. I feel like that's very much her vibe. 
she finishes up an art project. Yeah, for sure. So she comes home from school. She checks the mail. All this is happening for her at once. Of course, this is like movie magic. But like, I think that they do this very impressively. And I love the actress they had who played young Martha. Oh, I loved her. She looked like a mix of Reese Witherspoon's daughter. What's her name? Ava Philippi or whatever. And then Jennifer yeah. Garner. It was like they smushed their faces together. She was so pretty. Dory Barton. Dude, she was great. Is she still alive? I feel like she'd be an actress that was in like three films and died tragically. I know that's a little. Oh, my God. No. Uh, yeah, I think she's still. I mean, yeah, she's still alive. She did a thing in 2021. That is don't ever say that about someone. Oh, my God. Especially not her. Like she's she just great. She's great. I just feel like she has a light that shines so bright. It's just such a neg vibe. You can't say that about her. Oh, my God. So um, Martha comes home from school. She checks the mail. She gets into fucking Baylor and her mom's all excited for her. And then her. Oh, no. Barnard. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's Barnard. OK, um, sorry, guys. It's been I don't care about college anymore. No, I do. Oh, no. I mean, um, why would you? I I no I do. I actually do care about college. It was like a very fun time in my life. But um I I don't care. I didn't know for this reason. And by the way, what is Barnard? Is that like is, is it Yale? I think it was before women could go to Yale. I'm actually going to google this. What is Barnard? Okay, so it's Yeah, so I don't want to give them uh press anyway cuz they were so segregated back then and I'm not doing that. Okay, so it's technically, I feel like it's almost like a square and a rectangle situation where like Barnard is Columbia, but Columbia would never call themselves Barnard. So it is a private women's school. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, um, yeah, her dad's like, well, okay, congratulations on getting into school, but don't forget about modeling. That's what's going to pay the bills. I feel like they almost made it seem like her dad got off on her being a model in a weird way, like not in a sexual way or anything, but like he like took a new level of pride in her. Like it's kind right, of it was like, like, right. She was the show pony. Yeah, a little bit. It's like, I mean, I know parents look at their child all the time and think like, oh, my child should be a model. but like. It's wild to go to the place of like, yeah, we should just do that. Oh, right. And I feel like also in my head, you know, she opens up the acceptance letter. She sees that, you know, she's gone into Barnard or Baylor or whatever. And then he immediately says, oh, you need to model. I feel like it was almost a subtle reminder. Like, don't get fat, Martha. Otherwise, how are you going to pay for college? Um, yeah, no, probably like, yeah, maybe it was that. Maybe it was a reminder for that. Um, but I I also uh, I think like that they kind of sort of portray that she never really liked modeling and that it was just always a job for her that she felt like she had to do. Oh, no, I feel like it was never an option. I mean, it was very much like. It, Imagine. I mean, she, oh, completely. And I feel like, I mean, of course, there's no way she was supporting that entire baseball team of a family that she had. But <laughs> I feel like the dad put so much pressure on her that it, it seemed like the stakes were that high because it was like root beer money and modeling. Those are the only two jobs a woman at the time could have. But wouldn't that be incredible, though, if like, uh, oh, completely. Had, if they were like, no, you have to model like you're just we can't waste money. You have to model. So um, Martha goes to college and um, her dad insists on driving her 
And she's like, which I guess not everyone does. I don't really understand that. He's like, I'm going to drive you in. And then I don't know what she does. Takes a bus to college. I have no idea. Um, And he finally gives her her bags and he says, it's your big day, kid. Don't blow it. So when she's at bar, he can't ever love it. Her just have one day, you know, she can't ever just get through a day by doing it. She just has to always be reminded. Oh, like you better, you know, the stakes are too high. Yeah, but he was also insisting on driving her. So it's like, I think that he just can't, he doesn't know how to express love. No, he definitely doesn't. Do you think he had a parent that never said, I love you? Oh, 100%. Like, I don't think like that's, yeah, for sure. Right. Oh yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's, it's like, actually it's, I mean, it is sad, obviously. Um, so Martha's at school. She's waiting outside of one of the buildings for a blind date with Andy Stewart, 1452 to 1650. Martha? Andy Stewart. Your date. So? Where'd you grow up? What are you majoring in? Do you have a boyfriend? Do you want me to answer all those questions at once? Um, <laughs> let's do the boyfriend one first, because uh, I gotta tell you, the other ones are gonna seem a lot less important if the answer is yes. Do you really think I would go out on a blind date if I had a boyfriend? I don't know. Well, I wouldn't. I don't. Good. I'm not really modeling yet, but I'm, I'm getting ready for this competition that Runway Magazine is doing. Where they pick the 10 best-dressed college girls, and they send them to Paris for a year. And a couple of years ago, this girl, Norma Collier, did it, and now she's on the cover of every magazine. And that's where I want to be. Plus, plus, I would love to go to Paris. Never been? No, no. Oh, we go every summer. Oh, that must be nice for you. Well, you know, sometimes I wish I didn't grow up with so much money in me. I feel like I was sheltered from the real world. I uh, I admire people who had to struggle more. I'm sorry, but were you just romanticizing being poor? I don't know, was I? Yeah, I I think you were. (laughs) (laughs) I guess I was. That's okay. This poor girl will tell you what she thinks of Paris when she gets there. If I get there. Are you kidding? <laughs> It'd be crazy not to pick you. Let's talk about that interaction. So, I mean, my biggest takeaway was that, you know, it's her blind date that I assume they got set up by friends, right? And not even the first question he asks her is if she has a boyfriend. Why would she be there if she was in a committed relationship with someone else that was set up by their other friends? Right. Like what kind of friend did they say she was? Exactly. Because I feel like at that point, it's like, Andy, who do you think you're going out with if you think she's, you know, with another man? And at the time, that was very much the time of like a class ring, you know, situation where someone would have, you know, you know, staked claim on Martha. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Okay. So this was, I wonder if this was before, I mean, it had to have been 
after she dated Anthony Hopkins. So maybe she was like a known catch. I mean, I I would assume so, because also she was indeed modeling for Chanel all throughout college. So I can only assume that that word spread all throughout Barnard and through the rest of real Yale. Right. Right. Oh, wait, no, she dated Anthony Hopkins after. Wait, sorry, guys, I misread the Wikipedia. That would have been dope. I was like, that doesn't make sense that she dated Anthony Hopkins in in a college and didn't like him because of like the Hannibal Lecter thing. She dumped him after that. She couldn't see past the the horror show, which that is a testament to his acting. It really is. And also, it's just maybe a testament to maybe who he is as a person. Hmm. Yes. Which is a bit jarring to consider. Well, no, 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 no. I think he's lovely. Come on. What did he do? No, I'm sure he is too. I, I think he seems like a lovely person, but clearly Martha knows something that we just don't as, you know, of a, a voyeuristic situation. Well, honey, I don't know if I always trust Martha's opinion on everything. That is valid. You know what I that mean? That is very valid. Mm-hmm. This is like why this is a learning lesson for you, right? Because like right. This, for your, you know, your big adult life, you have to know sometimes it's Martha. Right. And you know what? I think that's the takeaway from this film is that sometimes it is Martha. Right. Yeah, I think that is. Yeah, I think that's actually like you're kind of like maybe your motto is sometimes it's Martha. And that's going to be like just a moment of introspection for you. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I will remember this. This will be a teachable moment. OK, great. So Martha shows up to the modeling event and there's like all these beautiful girls there that look like probably more advanced at modeling than she was, I would say. Oh, yeah. I mean, they all looked like they were all set up for an editorial campaign. Everyone had those hats that look like little cakes. It was all very it was all very displayed. Everyone was in pastel. Everyone was matchy matchy. And so, you know, she has her like moment in front of the judges there. And she's like, I've been reading Runway magazine since I was a child. And I taught myself how to sew copying the dresses. I know some people say fashion magazines are just escapism, but Runway has given me self-esteem and taught me how to dream. She always thought one should live in beauty. So then we cut to Martha meeting Andy's parents And she's like, you know, their house is fabulous. Like they're fabulous, fabulous, rich, artistic, like, you know, culturally wealthy people. And she's talking to his mom. It's a great conversation. And she goes, well, I always thought people should live in beauty. So, you, I mean, did she are they saying like she stole that bit from Andy's mom or do they just happen to have the same motto? I feel like they maybe have the same motto. And I think that maybe also shows that Andy goes after people with similar values to his parents. who I feel like he tried to reject for so long. More incest. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of incestual vibrations in this film. There's a lot. And by the way, we're not talking about Martha Stewart. Of course we're talking about in this movie. There's a lot of uh, a lot of suggestion, a lot of suggestion. And I feel like at the time it probably hit extra hard. Right. Because like, I feel this like was everyone was trying loss. to hit on Martha in any way. So they were like, you know, if we can get some weird, you know, flowers in the attic vibes from Martha Stewart, we'll just let people run with it. We will only suggest we will never outright say it. What people surmise is up to them. For sure. So uh 
mm-hmm. Martha and Andy go into like his childhood bedroom or something and they start making out and she's like, you know, I hope your parents like me. He's like, they love you. And they're slow dancing. And before things do get hot and heavy, she's like, I can't, I'm going to be famous. And he's like, what? <laughs> Which is like, because what did that have to do with anything? <laughs> What do you think she was trying to say there? Like, I can't fuck you right now because I'm going to be famous or like I can't get involved with you like that because I'm going to be famous. I feel like there's so many ways that you could take that because I, my first thought was, you know, she can't do it because she doesn't want to get pregnant. You know, that's like her first thought, which then it's like, Martha, the, this was like the time of the pill. Go on the pill. Right. But also, I feel like it's more like a distraction thing. It's a power thing. Like, I feel like she just refused to want to give up any sort of power in any situation. But then she, he's like, well, what does that have to do with anything? She's like, mm, you know what? You're right. And then like they fuck in her parents' house. Yeah. True. House. True. Okay. So Martha, you know, she's made it to like the next round of auditions or whatever for this Paris thing. And they have all these young models, you know, sort of pacing around the room and looking charming and lovely. It's like a weird, like way that I'm sure they maybe still audition models where they have them just sort of like walk around and like, see who just looks graceful. I don't know. And they're like taking random pictures of them. So um, she's like, you know, being competitive, but also like artful about it, which I felt like was like nice foreshadowing for who she is as a person. Then uh, Norma, Norma, the runway girl from 1957 comes in. And this is the beginning of a friendship that I honestly think says so much about Martha. Like there's so many demand uh, dynamics like within this movie with Martha and her female friendships where I'm like, it says a lot about the fact that like these friends are drawn to her on this level. And like, especially Norma is going to be a very forgiving friend to her throughout the years. Oh, exceptionally. And also I just feel like the way that Martha makes friends is almost in a networking sense instead of, you know, a typical way of forming adult female friendships. Like, you know, she saunters up to her and shakes her hand and says she's been following her career. And she does the same thing years down the line when she's like in her parka at, at the park when it's snowing. And she just tells right. that woman like her entire LinkedIn day. Right. That's just kind of how she makes friends. She knows she how knows to level up stories and like, Right. Okay, I'm going to play the clip, uh, 2053 to 2242. Girls, girls, this is Norma Collier, our number one runway girl from 1957. And since then, Norma's modeling career has taken off like a rocket. (laughs) Norma, hi. Hi, Martha Castaira. I've been following your career since the beginning. It is such an honor to meet you. Thank you. (laughs) The year I spent in Paris was the best year of my life. I was living in the most beautiful city in the world and learning a lot about myself. And besides, I made a ton of money. I had to talk to you. What's going on? I've been thinking a lot about us, and uh, I want you to marry me. What? Marry me. Andy, I, 
I have a chance to go to Paris. I, can, I know. I've been working. Working for this. I, I know, I know. My whole life. I listen, don't want to go back to New I, Jersey. I, I, I've been thinking about it, and I'm going to be done with law school in a year, and then we can move to New York. And you can do modeling there, or, or, or art history, or anything you want. Whatever you do, you're going to be amazing. Look, what we have doesn't just happen. What if we don't find it again? I don't want to be without you. I don't want to be without you. Well, Martha, you know, I like the juxtaposition of these two scenes because Martha like really hustled in that modeling audition. And then I'm going to go ahead and assume that he didn't really wait outside of her big modeling audition to no, and not in the snow. No, to like ask her, you know, but like it is cinematic. Right. And that you can see she has these two things pulling at her at the very same time. And Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I do think like her relationship with Andy was really sweet. I, I kind of, you know, I really, I hate to put it on her in a way where I'm like, I feel like Andy probably would have stuck with you if you had had a little bit more give, but I don't know the ins and outs of their relationship. Oh no, but I, I totally agree though. Cause again, I feel like, you know, similar to Martha, I feel like Andy kind of came from a cold home. It seems like his parents were very much all about you know, the presentation and the hosting the parties and having the beautiful homes and the money. And I feel like there wasn't much warmth there. They were, you know, very intimidating people. And I feel like he was always trying to seek out warmth from Martha that just, she's not a warm person, which is fine. But I feel like Andy just kind of like romanticized who Martha was, don't you think? Yeah, because like there's plenty of places, even in their like younger life where she's frankly kind of mean to him like because i feel like she's very as the crow flies and like you know i think that they're trying to show the balance of like she married him because she loved him but also she definitely married him at least it didn't hurt that his family was wealthy but i what i did wonder later because you know they you know, his family ends up losing all their money pretty soon after they get married. Do you think he knew when he proposed that they were about to lose all their money and needed like an emotional support wife? No, because it was a year. And like, I think it was probably like, because they, okay, so what happens is is they get married. It's like a cute little, like kind of humble wedding or whatever. I like the dress that they gave her, even though they, you know, don't always the wardrobe in this movie was great. Like this is a big NBC. It's a Lionsgate home production. So this was like big money spent on this and uh, money well spent. Um, So, yeah, um, you know, they have this like wedding, then they move to New York city and they're doing this apartment touring thing. I guess they had spent a year in New Haven and then now we're catching up with them a year after marriage and they're doing this apartment hunting thing. And they're Martha's like, honey, we got to get a new apartment guy. Like these apartments suck ass. And he's like, that was very fair. No, they did suck ass for sure. Like it's Martha though, seeing what she did with Turkey Hill. Like I'm like, girl, you can, you can apply some wallpaper. Like you could have fixed those places up living in Manhattan. Come on. But she goes, well, yeah, like, I mean, doesn't your, you know, dad want to maybe supplement your lawyer's salary? I thought that was kind of the deal. He's like, no, honey, they don't have any money anymore. They lost it all. They have to sell their apartment. And so she's like, 
fuck, right? She she has this look on her face like maybe I made the wrong decision, which is like I would hope it wasn't, you know, I would hope that's dramatized, you know. I also hope she didn't really find out that way. So, but. No, I mean, that would be so incredibly tacky of Andy to just, but also Andy does that at big events. His later, like at his own birthday party, he's like telling other people he's leaving her. I hate to jump ahead, but Andy doesn't know how to have a one-on-one conversation. I feel like he does drop things at very inconvenient times. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Oh, the party thing hurt so bad because I was like, oh, my God, everyone knows like everyone knows and she doesn't. That's like because like even this loud asshole at the party knows. But anyway, um, she goes to this audition and like modeling auditions are hitting different now. Right. She didn't get that Mm -hmm. thing. She goes that the guy just like wants her to do like a quick turn. And like he's like, yeah, we'll call you like half it happens. It happens like She's realizing, okay, this is going to probably not be the way to go for me. And then she gets back to the apartment and she's got to puke. And Andy's like, well, do you think maybe you're pregnant? And she's like, don't say that. And I'm like, why is he telling you that you're pregnant? That's weird. Right. Because I feel like also Andy would be the person that grew up knowing nothing about pregnancy at all. And so I feel like how would he have even surmised that? I feel like that wouldn't be in his wheelhouse. Right. I I mean, yeah, that's probably true. His parent, he is an only child, I think. But like, yeah, no, I, I, uh, it, it was strange to me that they implied that like she, well, like, I don't know, maybe she wasn't re- willing to accept it, but I'm like, you mean this woman can't realize traits of pregnancy in her own body? Right. And also considering how anti, you know, sleeping with her boyfriend she was at the start because she was you know going to be famous i was like so clearly you know the consequences of unprotected sex martha and you know that yeah but then when banged, consequences are ar- right she she totally banged but she when the consequences arose she didn't even realize what those consequences would look like fuck well yeah so she is prego Um, But they're fighting and she's like, you know, you I can't take care of a baby right now. Like, I want to have a career. And he's like, you know, we can have a baby like I am a lawyer. And she's like, yeah, I know you're a lawyer, but you don't make any money. And like that looks like the actor does such a good job of making it look like she hit him deep in his soul. And she goes, this is not how she does. Yeah, she does with Andy. She always knocks him down a peg. He can never like have a good day he can never get a job he can never propose like she always has to say okay yeah and what like so what she she never is proud of andy no never never um no never um she says to him this is not how it was supposed to be which is like sets it such a uh, a crushing thing for a man to hear because it's like i didn't know i promised her that like, I didn't know mm-hmm. that the best I could do wasn't what I promised her. Uh, I, f- I feel for Andy, but also Andy's not great. Right. He ends up being kind of an asshole, but I couldn't figure out if it was like, you know, consequential because of the way he was treated for so long. Well, or, yeah. or if he was like a secret asshole. I never want to say anyone deserves it. But when you tell me that that's the combo that wound up happening, I am not shocked. So no, me neither. Andy's like, you can be anything you want. She's like, no, not if I have a baby. It's not like when we fell in love and you told me everything was going to be so easy. You know, I don't want to be like my mom moving into the suburbs. So then mm, smash cut to she is a mom in the suburbs. She's at a homeware, a homeware store like shopping when she runs in 
to an old friend, 2804 to 2915. I'm sorry. Donna? Martha, who are you? It's been ages. Oh my God, great, you look terrific. So do you, did you want this? Oh God, no, it's too expensive. <laughs> we can get a toboggan for that, can't we? What have you been up to? Uh, well, I have a family now, and how about you? I'm a stockbroker. Lexi, get over here! She's mine. Norma, I got you a pot, too. Every good cook deserves a copper pot. Thank you. <laughs> How did you get to be a stockbroker? Isn't that strictly for the guys? Well, Andy kept encouraging me, telling me I had a head on my shoulders, that I should bust through all the barriers and make a lot of money. I make more money than him now, and he's a lawyer. Wow. I have some money saved up from my modeling days, and I've been afraid to invest it with someone that I don't know. Is there anything you can suggest? Actually, there is one company. You heard of Levitz? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to go through the roof. Every good cook deserves a copper pot. Iconic. Oh, very much so. And I feel like that's something she would say on TV in the future. The way that like Martha just like falls back in with her every single time is fascinating to me because like you can just tell like they had a, a connection that day and like for some reason they always whenever they saw each other, they like picked back up. But I it didn't they didn't make it seem like they were friends over the years. It seemed like when they bumped into each other after a long time, they would be buds again. I felt like also the tables had turned because when they had met Norma was the girl who had gone to Paris and now Martha's the one who can buy the copper pots. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. And yeah, they both made the, you know, Naomi, I think is more bogged down with kids than anything. Um, but then like, dude, Martha, when she's, I mean, I didn't realize that she was like fully working like as a stockbroker on this level. Like, I mean, I think maybe in my subconscious, I knew that, but I didn't realize that there was a whole portion of her life when Lexi was young, who, by the way, shout out to early signs of them having like a tense relation. Oh yeah. I mean, that just sets the stage for their entire relationship, obviously. I feel like they're on better terms now, right? Like they're fine now, but there was like, I think when all of this was going on with Martha, this was like at the peak. And now that I understand a little bit more about what happened with Andy, I kind of understand why. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so she brings her in on this deal and, um, She's dealing with a stress rash at home and Andy's telling her that the Levitz thing, it's you got to we got to get out of that. Like it's a nightmare. Basically, people are already catching on that. They're selling, you know, they're incentivizing companies to sell their stock by giving them kickbacks, which is that sounds very illegal. Right. Like I can't confirm for sure because I know such minimal things about the stock market, but yeah, from what I surmise, surmised, it sounds like it's definitely uh, frowned upon. Right. So, mm -hmm. yeah, sounds pretty bad. So yeah. anyway, he's like, listen, we'll move to the country. We can commute. And she's like, no way. I'm going to be stuck at some country house while you're practicing law. Because, like, you know, it's not that difficult to like move to Connecticut and commute to the city. Lots of people did it, including 
to catch a predator is Chris Hansen. Very true. Very true. If she's modeling her lifestyle after Chris Hansen, which maybe she should have. Right. Well, no, things would have been so different. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. So um, who knows? That actually could be a fun second act for Martha. If she (laughs) runs a show where she busts pedophiles, that would be next level. So the news breaks and Martha's like, okay, where do you want to live in the country? So they drive out to this country home that he bought together. And for some reason, the way they show like property acquirement in this sort of thing is like Andy just buys a house sight unseen or like he goes out and buys it himself. And then Martha sees it for the first time. Like when they go to Turkey Hill and he says, welcome to Turkey Hill. It really feels like he's welcoming her for the first time. Right. And it's like, I understand that Martha is very much the, you know, the one who's making the money in this family, but could she really not just take a weekend to run up to Turkey Hill to look at their new real estate? Was it really only Andy who could drive up there? It seemed very, um, you know, spring surprise on her. Oh, I don't think Marth was making mage coin doing oh, stuff. So? Like, I think she like basically probably made like a second salary, maybe a little bit less, but like, you know, Andy had, a had, a good jobs. And I think he always worked in like the same line of work. So she did say to, um, whatever, Naomi, Norma, whatever her name is. She said to her, as oh, Norma. Pop star, yeah, yeah. she said, I make more money than Andy. And he's a lawyer. Like she says that to this woman. She oh, she said and, that. Oh, T. Yeah, okay. I was like, she's at the store, you know, slinging her big dick around, you know, shitting on Andy to this woman. She hasn't spoken to in decades. Yeah, that's like a pretty bad position to put your family in to like wipe right, out half the income because you were like, yeah. And it's like sucks, especially because she did have a heads up on that. And she should have. Oh, she totally did. Her girl, Norma, who yeah, I, she should have. I don't know. Whatever. Listen, I I just um I'm freestyling right now. So they have this like sad just moved in dinner that everyone has where they're at a card table and it's Andy and Martha and Martha's dad and Martha's dad is being such a dick to them. He's like, good job, Andy. Like you'll never make this 1805 house look great. Like basically saying like, it's going to be a fortune. They'll never be able to afford to do it. And he's like, you know, you're nothing ever is good enough for you. And Martha's like, listen, you know what? I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get the place shaped up in no time. So that night she's in bed and she can't sleep. And this is psycho behavior, especially because there's a daughter in the house and they never even address this. She gets no, up. And she bed. just never wakes up ever. Lexi never seems to wake up during all of this conflict. Yeah. Lexi is probably used to it. Oh, yeah. I bet. Way. So she picks up a sledgehammer and takes it to one of the walls. And Andy comes down. And he's like, what are you doing? We can't afford to fix the place up now. She's like, I'm doing it all myself. Like right now. I'm not sitting on my ass waiting for you to get a promotion. I'm starting with this wall. I'm going to turn this place into a palace. So they take turns breaking down the wall together. Months go by. And Martha works tirelessly on every detail of the house doing like The big jobs and the small jobs. And this house is very much like what the um, West, no, like the second house that she gets. This is like going to be the blueprint for her style. It's very much like built in. Like, I don't know. I think she uses like a lot of like hutches. It's not built in. She uses hutches over that. Like she has that sort of like hutch vibe. 
Oh yeah. I mean, she definitely loves a built-in. She loves a little, you know, free form wall art that she does herself, which I admire. Yeah. Um, it's very TikTok. Oh yeah, no, for sure. She would, Martha would kill it on TikTok. She would be even richer somehow if she came out during TikTok. So, um, you know, this is the beginnings of greatness and Ali, um, sorry, Ali, Andy and Lexi are in the kitchen before dinner and Andy grabs a piece of pie off the counter with his fingers. Gross, like man at home behavior. And he's like, this is delicious. And she's like, well, how much would you pay for that? And he's like, I don't know. Like, three dollars and she's like three dollars and he goes maybe five so she sets up a table at the supermarket and this is where i start to like freak out a little bit because like this is so parallel to like what bethany frankel has tried to do with her brand this is exactly why i think martha low-key despises bethany is because like bethany did rip her model a little bit where she just like jacked everything up all of a sudden no, I mean, like, well, so Bethany Frankel from Skinny Girl, she. Right. Yeah. yeah. Her, like, she basically was on The Apprentice, but Martha Stewart's version. Like, Donald Trump gave a season to Martha Stewart, and she, Bethany was in the final two. And to this day, Martha's like, you know, there's like, she's kind of shady. It's like shady diva moments. It's like when Mariah Carey talks about J Lo a little bit. And oh, yeah. I feel almost like, Maybe Martha feels like Bethany kind of, you know, is wearing her skin like last week's Versace. Which is very valid. I feel like, you know, Bethany feels like she took Martha's advice and all of a sudden she's this mogul. And I bet Martha's kind of side eyeing her like you would have been nothing without who I am as a person. For sure. I think they both have very strong personalities and there's no way. Mm -hmm. Right. But Bethany did the same thing. She had this like vegan baking line and she would go and sit out at supermarkets with like her muffins and try and sell them. So Martha's doing this with her pies and she's trying to sell them for five bucks. They're not moving. So and this is like, I think, a montage over like many months. I don't think she's psycho and did all this in one day, although this would be. I mean, that's kind of. On oh, point. I was very much I was very much under the impression like she sold one pie for five dollars and she was like. Okay, awesome. I can do it for five. I can do it for 10. I thought she was like, oh, is this know, like her stock market energy? Yes, where she just like sees an opportunity and is like, I mean, if I can get one yes, then I can get like 10 hell yeses. Do you think Martha bought GameStop or is she like never allowed to um, buy stocks again? I mean, I hope she is just because I feel like it's kind of fun for her, but I understand if they wouldn't let her partake. Dude, I bet she minds Bitcoin. Oh, I, she's definitely a Bitcoin girl. I see that this for her 100%. For sure, for sure. So, right. um, and, and by the way, like, you know, like the crypto guys were excited to let her know about it because it's like, yeah, she moved from stocks to crypto. Like that's street cred. Right. And also like at this point, it's like Martha has nothing to lose. And in terms of like, honestly, if she did fuck up in the stock market again, I feel like they would just be like, girl we told you but they wouldn't actually you know she wouldn't suffer any consequences truth truth okay yeah. so um yeah she's selling him for five then they don't you know sell she says, like moves it to three then she raises her price to 10 and then she gets like you know really popular starts selling for 20 one was like a, a pecan 
maple or something. I wanted to oh, yeah, it was like that. pecan walnut. I was oh, like, that yeah. sounds delicious. Dude, I would fuck that up. Um, so yeah, sh- uh, she's at her booth when uh, an old friend notices her. $20 for a pie. Wow. Norma. Yeah. Wow. How are you? You mean since you lost all my money and left town without calling me? Everyone got burned on Levitz. Norma. Yes? I'm sorry. Why didn't you tell me? I didn't know. If I had known, would I be here selling pies? And then she said to me, are you a stay-at-home mommy too? Like, that's the greatest thing in the world. Made me want to puke. I know, I know. I've got to do something in Westport. I just hadn't figured out what it is yet. You know what I see in Westport? Most women are lawyers and executives working on their careers, which is great. But they're still expected to be wife and mommy and elegant hostess. Exactly. And throw intimate dinner parties for eight and cocktail parties for 30 every weekend. Yeah, and and throw their kids' birthday parties. And it's impossible. They can't do it. They don't have the time. I could do it for them. So could I. I honestly like this, the way that they came back together with this friendship, she forgave her allegedly in one day. I'm assuming this was a continuous sort of written scene. And like they came up with this brilliant business idea, which in a way sounds a little bit hokey the way that like the babysitters club does where it's like, yeah, we're wives that come in and make all the food like and so you don't have to do it. Like it seems like a very of the time sort of business but i love that like they see something in each other you know what i mean because i don't think martha would just like want norma around to do anything with her like this was a partnership right and it is interesting because i feel like martha is this one who seeks out partners in general like i feel like obviously she doesn't require partnership from andy she doesn't require that from her parents but with Norma, she like sees something, but then obviously down the road, that all kind of goes to shit. I know, I know, dude, it bums me out. Like, cause I, I don't know. I, I mean, I wonder if she was just using her. Do you think Martha was just using Norma for like muscle? I mean, I could, I could 100% see that. Cause realistically, like what does Norma bring to the table? Like it's never once been suggested that Norma likes to cook other than the fact she was like salivating over a copper pot that she may or may not ever actually use. Right. No, I know. I know. And like when we see her later, she's driving. So basically we're going to go into them pitching this business. I just want to include this because I feel like this is sort of a prelude to what we see is like they feature very prominently the way Martha Stewart conducts herself in meetings and the way she sells herself. And that's consistent throughout this whole movie is that like Martha is a master salesperson. So 3803 to 3850. You want to entertain, but you just don't have the time. 
You wish you could have it catered, but that seems so... So personal. This is what we do. We come to your house, we take your pots and pans and your favorite serving dishes. Then we create a gourmet menu just for you and cook it to perfection. We take our entrees and we put them in your serving dishes. And return them to your home. Then no one, not even the servers, will have any idea that you didn't cook the entire meal yourself. Which is why we call it the uncatered affair. This episode is sponsored by Book of the Month. I've been subscribed to Book of the Month for three months now, and I'm obsessed. If you're a big reader or maybe even a lapsed big reader who's been wanting to get back into it regularly, consider checking it out. Book of the Month, they read like hundreds of books every month from new and emerging authors, and they whittled on the list to just the very best. They provide you a diverse little selection of hardcover fiction to pick from, which is an element of it that I really love. I can find going into the bookstore to be super overwhelming. And when I know I have about a dozen really solid options to choose from, it makes the decision way easier. Plus, it's cheaper than other options. Shipping is always free. And there's a loyalty program with rewards and even lower prices if you choose to stick around. There's an app where you can pick your upcoming books and track the progress of your reading, and there are challenges on there with rewards. Your book arrives in a super aesthetically pleasing box, by the way. That's the kind of touch that I always really appreciate. Personally, I read at my own pace. Sometimes I can only get to one of my two books a month, and I keep the ones I haven't read yet on my windowsill right next to my bed so I can just see them all there. It inspires me to pick one up and read. It's nice to have options in front of you. If you're interested in trying it out, you can get your first book for $5 with code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. That's code pastel at bookofthemonth.com. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This idea is so, um, I don't know. It almost reminds me of like, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with it. I just don't like that. There's like an underlying tone of sneakiness to it. (laughs) Oh, I mean, there's, there's total sneakiness because they know that they can play on people's insecurities as, you know, like homemakers and hosts. And so it's like, but also why couldn't you have just done a catering business? Like why did it need this level of, 
like almost a dig at people's abilities. Well, I mean, you're a PR girl. Like, you mean, I'm sure that this was a thing at the time that felt like, I don't know, like the way that people go to like, like, uh, you know, the urban detox, like those like <laughs> sun blanket things or like why people buy crystals. Like it's literally just people, you know, want to do like, you know, it's just something people hope to buy to like have have maybe a piece of a lifestyle. Right. Right. And it's almost kind of like when people pay to have a bridesmaid in their wedding where they'll just like hire a bridesmaid for hire. It's kind of like that where it's like there's this image where it's like, oh, this is my this is, you know, supposedly my best friend of however many years. And that's I not really own. real. That's not re- right. Is that does that really happen? Oh, no, that's like a real job. I mean, I know that like it is as like a bit like because some people like might not have but that's not like only fans right like it's not like that's oh, no. a job you can have in a lot of cities that's not like only fans sure. i don't think like- it's very much like a viable career anywhere yeah. you go but it, it's 100 something where like refinery 29 would definitely do like an article where they're like this girl is a bridesmaid for hire like you can right. do it too but it's like but it's not something that's like a viable career but it's the same kind of vibe where it's like you have to like have some sort of like hole where you're like okay i'm so i'm so insecure about my cooking i need to hire these two you know these two ladies to cook my meals on my silver that i got as a wedding gift however many years ago and i've never used and then Um, they're going to show up trying to find the analogy like there's like i mean i don't know like is it that different than like having your gifts professionally wrapped or something like is it that different like it's all still sort of like the same lie but Right. Because it's all a lie, but it's like some people should see through it. This is a very specific market of women who I think are not ashamed to say that they do not want to do the housework, like that they're not interested in it, but they'd like to lie. If they could get the extra credit for the lie, they'll take it. So I think it's sort of like a shameless thing and also a rich thing. Oh, very much a rich thing, but also um, so sustainable. I mean, the fact that like they're using other people's dishware. I mean, kudos to Martha for being so forward thinking. Dude, it is so sustainable. And also that's so true because I always think of that when people say like, oh, I, you know, ordered Postmates for my date. Like he'll never know. I'm like, no, you like know when something was not in its original package, like always. Like, And it's always like a little wet from condensation. Yeah. I have never seen takeout plated and been like, like, oh my God, did you cook this? That has never been my reaction in my life. Um, so I, I like the idea that the, yeah, sustainable queen. So, um, the two of them, I love this. They sit outside the house drinking beers in their car and they're watching the party, like toast the man's wife for cooking this entire meal. And they run through the menu. They did uh, tomato, cucumber, and chickpeas, and a salad with raspberry vinaigrette, pork stuffed with walnuts and dried cherries, and double chocolate Diablo cake. And Norma's like, and no one knows we were the ones who pulled it all off. And Martha's like, yeah, that's the problem. So, like, she's not satisfied. She has one party, and all of a sudden she's like, but how do I get my name in the mix? Right. She very much cannot just be in the background. Like, I, I, you know, that she wishes she was standing at the front of the table scooping chickpeas onto people's plates like she can't just you know get even like background credit she needs to be the face of everything and you know what good for her like i understand the drive there or whatever but it's like marth like 
you've had one party. But she's right, insatiable. Like, don't let it go to your head, but she does. She's insatiable. So Alex comes down uh, to the kitchen and asks Martha what's on the stove. It's like a while later. And um, uh, Norma's working there. And she's sort of like, Norma's working as the admin a little bit. Like, Martha's up. Her hair is done. She's like, you know, bebopping around the kitchen, freestyling her ideas. And like, Norma's at the table just like taking notes. And um, I guess that is, you know, maybe some of the partnership questions we were asking ourselves earlier. Right. Like she's again, like she's like the muscle. Right. <laughs> so. Right. um, So upsetting. So he's like, what's on the stove? She's like, I don't know, but this is for my clients. If you and Lexi are hungry, order a pizza. My mom always said she was a caterer herself. She always said the cobbler's son goes barefoot, you know? Oh, very true. But also. In terms of options that Martha has given them, pizza is never a bad one. So I don't know why they're honestly that upset. No, for sure. I mean, like, you know, they are probably like in their 40s at this point. So maybe the pizza's hitting a little bit different for Alex. He's trying to stay fit. Mm-hmm. But considering that he's about to start a rampant affair with someone else. So he does need to stay trim. Hey, spoiler alert, dude. And also that's not yet. So Norma lets Martha know that she has like, she can't do a big party next month because she has a family reunion. And like this party is like the party. So Martha's like, well, pass on your family reunion. Norma's like, I can't. And like, you know, you can't do it without me. Cause Martha's like, I'll do it without you. She's like, no, this is our business. We do it together. I don't know why Norma like is holding ground on this and like why she I mean I understand why she's establishing a boundary with Martha that she needs to take a weekend off but like girl do you really want to be like at a party like do you like just skip the party let Martha do it or is right, Martha, like if Martha to- has the bandwidth to do it then why not just let her she's like, cock blocking her she's yeah she's 100% cock blocking her and it, it's it's not fair Yeah, I had to take a a, like literally a sip of my iced tea for that. So um, a month later, exactly a month later, Martha's getting ready to cater the big party that Norma wanted her to turn down. And Andy's confused because like the way he heard it down, Martha, you know, go down like he thought Martha agreed to pass on this party. And she's like, no, that's not the way it was. Sorry, Andy. She's like completely gaslighting him. And then Norma comes in and she's like so much for 50 50. Like you really thought you could do business in this small town and I wouldn't find out about it. And Martha's like, listen, I don't know what you were expecting, honey. Like you're a housewife with a hobby. OK, you don't have what it takes, which <laughs> fucking insane. Oh, yeah. She, she like threw that immediately back at her, which was you know, pretty much what Norma was trying to escape by starting this business was they were bitching about how, you know, some people are just mothers or some people are just wives. And Martha's like, oh, well, you are both those things that you hate so much. Yeah. I mean, like, she's like one of like those people, like, it's like, that's really like heartbreaking shit. I've been around people like that. And that's like so heartbreaking because like she did get used. She's like, you're a cog in my machine, bitch. So she's like, you know what? I don't want whatever you have. You know, you screwed me over. This is the last time. Like, you know, she has screwed Which, her like, over. As I mean, she, should, she has. It's pretty massive that she even came back to her after she squandered all of her modeling money. Oh, 100%. Also, I mean, the fact that she could even look her in the eye after the whole Livet's furniture stock issue. I was That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right, like that is so 
so messy. And then Martha's got this like now personal connection where she can go for those deep digs. Cause you know, realistically money isn't that personal, you know, that hurts, but that's not personal, but looking her in the eye and saying, you're just a housewife with a hobby. You don't have what it takes. I mean, that is a deep dig that Martha means with all her gut. Like she meant that. And you would think that's like enough, but ready? She follows her out of the house. And as like, she's walking to her car, she goes, Hey, Norma, every good cook deserves a copper pot. And she hurls a copper pot at her. Right. But then of course she misses Norma's car and aims it at her own, which I mean, come on. But also like Norma, that's assault. Like truly like this is crazy that this woman is treating you like this. This is that that's out of control. Like Martha, come on. Come on, girly. Oh, right. Like, you cannot like, be hurling a pot. No, you can't be hurling a pot. But also that could have definitely been Norma's chance to, you know, like sue her for something and get some money back. It could have been something that she had delved deeper into had she wanted to. I would have um, if I was Norma, I would have waited longer to yeah, sue for like, that. I would have resume. Like, well, I would have wrote out the statue of limitations on that. Mm. So I could when Martha had more money. Very true. Very true. You know what I'm saying? So like, like file an incident report, but come back for emotional distress. By the way, I like literally don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know if you can do that. <laughs> I feel like okay, she would I lose. I don't either, but I felt like you knew better than I did. So I've just been kind of nodding and smiling and being like, that sounds 100% legally true. Yeah, I've seen Law & Order. So um, Martha's house is even more elevated and she's getting ready for this big event and she's terrorizing absolutely everybody in the house. And... Like, I think a lot of moms do shit like this, right? Like when they're getting ready for a party, it's just like there's an energy of that in the house. But like Martha's on a thousand like she is possessed. She really needs everyone to get the house fucking ready. And everyone at this point, like the way that they're reacting to her chaos is like they're abused people. Like they're flinching a little bit or like they're just sort of like quietly working, like disassociating. It's very alcoholic dad vibes. Oh, yeah. Like nobody actually cares. You know, Andy's up there, you know, fixing the curtains that he was meant to do yesterday. Now it's not worth anyone's time. Her dad's in the greenhouse being literally no help whatsoever. And her mother, I'm not convinced that they actually hired an actress to play Martha's mother. I think she was a wax figure. I don't think I saw that woman blink (laughs) once. I- no, I know it felt yeah. like, honestly, it felt so deep. And like, there really isn't that much information about Martha's mom on her Wikipedia. And I apologize. This isn't was not supposed to be a Martha Stewart podcast. It is a conversation about the movie. Um, and I will try to do my best to like continue to look things up. But like right away off the bat, there wasn't anything about her parents. And it, they just made her mom seem like such a. A body in the room at best. Oh, 100%. I mean, just in every instance, you know, I feel like her mother's always, she's there, but she is not present very much. So is it kind of like, that's probably what Martha wishes Andy would be. Oh, I think that's how she treats Andy, even though he tries to stand up for himself. Right, right, right. So, um, yeah, she like goes to find her dad in the back of the house and she's like, dad, can you like wash your hands and stuff? Like, I want you to be like, come stand in the front of the house with me when everyone arrives, which is actually I think I remember that being her advice that when people pull up to your family dinner party, the family should be on the lawn to like greet people. Which I mean, I understand pre, you know, Google Maps, pre Uber, 
because you really do need a landmark, but it also is very much a visual of hello, welcome to our beautiful postcard family. And especially for Martha, where appearance is everything, especially with her dad, who has never proved of everything she has done ever. You know, of course, like him standing out front really does mean everything to her. Yeah, it's just, oh God, it's like, what in the fucking Ralph Lauren ad is that? Like the whole family out on the lawn, like looking Christmas ruddy. That's like, nuts it's nuts to think that that's what people would want or like that's you know sometimes when it comes to manners i'm like why would anyone want that though right like if it's like a holiday party i don't want to talk to their like eight-year-old and their 12-year-old and while the kids are like dying to get down into the basement to play trains or whatever they played with back then like and i don't think anyone wants that right i don't think anyone wants that either (laughs) um so yeah So she like is basically having all of these people over to do a tour of her home, which I love that this is a niche she's broken into where it's like, yeah, just like this is a woman who does these fabulous catered parties. She has a beautiful home. She's going to have a bunch of people come by and check out her home. And I'm sure she was pushing her catering the whole time. She's so smart. Like this is like this is really like a pop up. Like this is a pop-up shop for like suburban housewives to come like get a clue. Oh yeah. It's an Airbnb experience. Martha did an Airbnb experience before it was existent or she. Yeah. No, it's an influencer, like immersive space for sure. So the reason everyone, you know, was getting ready for this, like people are like, they're taking it in. She asked them to take off their shoes, which she makes a moment of. And it's almost like, it's almost a suggestion is like, she taught America to take off their shoes when they come in the house, the way that they like hang so much importance on it. Mm-hmm. So interesting. So they're taking in every detail of it. We see Martha has like a full crew working in the kitchen. Like it's like they're implying that her catering is on another level, I think. And then um, right, she's got a staff now. She is she is a boss woman now. Her dad is like taking in her like giving this speech about how the the importance of murals in the home. And he and Andy are talking and and he's like, oh, yeah, uh, Martha said you were, weren't feeling well. He's like, no, you're full of crap. And he's like, by the way, did I tell you I was promoted to the CEO of Abrams Publishing Line at Times Mirror you to make decisions about what books to publish? Martha's dad's like, you know, not giving him anything to that. And he's trying to say, like, dude, I fucking made it. You know, this is like what you've wanted for me. Right. This is what he's been giving him so much shit about. But what I will say is, where did this career move come from? I know. He was practicing law. What gives him the right to be, you know, the publishing mogul of the year? Well, he's married to Martha Stewart. And I mean, I guess, you know, taste runs in the family. So Mm -hmm. that must be what's happening there. I do. I don't think that's entirely uncommon, though. I mean, like lawyers are like. I think like that's the vocation sometimes for like a person who has a mind that like can be a great writer And can like be like, you know, can have like those instincts. Like, I feel like it's not crazy for lawyers to pivot out to like more creative jobs. And you know what? Good for Andy because he he deserved his break. And I feel like he's been defending himself to everyone, mostly himself for so long. And, you know, finally he has his his big moment where he gets to be the star. But he still is telling everyone 
at Martha's big party where he's not even getting the attention that he deserves. No, I know for real. They do paint it like Martha is like straight up a villain. So, um, at the end of the night, Martha and her dad are talking and he's like, you've created this amazing thing and you're really on your way. And he's never said anything like that to her ever before. And they have like a hug and you can tell it actually means something to her. One of the only few moments you really mm-hmm. see. Oh, OK. This is like this is what I've been waiting for. So Andy and Martha are getting ready for bed. And he's like, can I tell you something? Please don't make fun of me. And she's like, I won't. So he's like, I'm thinking about publishing this book. It's called Secret Life of Gnomes. And she's like, dog, for real. Like, she dies laughing. And he's, she's like, you can't tell me about gnomes and, like, expect me not to laugh. And they were painting that as being very unsupportive. But, like, truly, I think that that is a funny concept. Oh, it's a very funny concept. And if he's acting like this is the publishing hit of the year, I would be like, babe, I know you just got hired. This is kind of a shitty way to run out the gate. Yeah. And also, like, he didn't really do a great job pitching it. Like, you can tell he's maybe new to that. Exactly. Which, again, it's like, then how did you land this very prestigious job? But, you know. Yeah, because it's like the landing. Maybe say, like, you know, it's a fantasy series along the lines of, like, Lord of the Rings. It's about these, you know, gnome-like creatures. Like, give me a, like, you know, paint it, make it, you have to make it sound fancy for Martha. Oh, yeah, because she's very much a visual person. So, And also, whenever people are thinking gnomes, they're thinking very much garden gnome, which it very well might be. But you have to make it sexy. And Andy, I feel like, is not someone who knows how to make it sexy. True life. True life. So then the fucking secret life of gnomes is the publishing hit of the year. It's the toast of the publishing world. And that night, Martha, you know, after the big party, Martha sees Andy digging through the fridge and she like puts on the gnome hat and she's doing a little gnome role play with him. And he laughs and like she begins to seduce him and essentially convinces him to give her a book deal. Which good for her networking is key. So she did the right thing. I think they're like the second he got gnomes, Martha, like literally that night, Martha seduced him with a gnome hat because like, really, that is the truth is that in order to like publish her book, he would have to have some big proven success. And like now he has that you know, BDE in the publishing world. And so I have to say, like, you know, Martha, Andy succeeded despite Martha's hating on the gnomes. Right. And you know what? I think that was something that he probably really needed was one win. And then Martha knew that he needed that confidence then to make her own dreams come true. Yeah. Well, even within the company, I mean, you can't get hired as a lawyer to a publishing company and be like, so guys, I have this really great pitch for a book. It's like my wife is a caterer. Like, (laughs) that's a really great way to lose credibility around the office. I mean, he needed the gnomes to pop off. So... Uh, Martha begins her journey of writing her book and I'm going to play this whole scene because it's really great. We're going to hear a journey of writing all the way up until the book is published and she's at a reading during this time. She's going to hire an assistant. Uh, Martha's going to find her voice. This is 4832 to 5018. Napkins. Try not to be contrived but for a special occasion a napkin folded into a fan shape provides an elegant frill. Ah! 
a special occasion, try a napkin, fold it into a fan. Do you know how many people are intimidated by folding napkins? Oh, hi. We can discuss this later. I have no secrets for my new assistant. You do want the job, don't you? So what's the problem? Well, it's not the folding napkins. It's, it's the writing. It just feels forced. How else am I supposed to describe folding napkins? I don't know, but there is a way. We just have to find your voice. People want more than recipes. They want to learn how to entertain. A Cajun feast for 20. Napkins. When it comes to folding napkins, I prefer the fan or a loose knot to the trickier napkin maneuvers, which I always leave to Chinese restaurants. Linzer tort, vanilla twill, baklava, rum balls, and a white chocolate mousse cake. Dessert for 30. I grew up in a large family that always had guests. Quantity was the rule. When my father took a skiff out into Barnegat Bay, he returned with not one but 80 fish, not two dozen, but 12 dozen hard shell crabs. I've never been afraid of quantity. My first catered party was a breakfast of heroic proportions for the Nutley High School football team. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, listen, Martha found her voice, meaning like she found her likability. Oh, yeah. I mean, she definitely knew where to tap into. And I think it was the the right thing. She saw the opportunity. She knew she was like popping off. She was, you know, Susie Homemaker, but a new era of it all. And she knew that. Yeah, because like it's interesting the way they sort of like show how she was struggling with her writing style. And then this assistant shows up and like I don't think they were implying that like Martha found her voice through this. But I thought it was interesting that they showed that like she really kind of struggled to have a relatable voice at first or like find a writing style. Right. And what I did read is that her first book was, in fact, written by ghostwriter. So I think that's kind of what they were implying. Got it. Got it. Got it. Because like, you know, she wound up wearing that. And like what we're going to see throughout this is just a prolific amount of lying. Like Martha is like it's not even really like she's outwardly lying. Like you're not, you know, it's not like, you know, she's saying, you know, white is black and black is white. Like, it's not like that. Like she is a. Just the way she shows up in the world, she's brilliant. She's so two-faced. She's so good at selling the idea of she's this and she's that and then going home to a fucking empty house. Right, exactly. And I think what she has is exactly what Andy lacks, where she knows how to paint a picture. She knows how to sell a story. Andy is very much good with the concepts, clearly, because he nailed it with the gnomes. But Martha is the one who makes it sexy every time. Is she? I mean, she's the one that like she does a really good job, you know, showing up. I will say that they always allude to that. Like and Martha's been obviously older than me my whole life. Like even when I first met her, she seemed like an older lady to me. So it's not that I never thought she was beautiful. I just don't think I ever like really tuned into like how alluring she must be in a room. And they always paint her as just like every no one can take their eyes off of her. Right. Where it I seems feel like she very much has this energy about her, almost like I don't want to compare to her to a John Mayer, but I feel like if I'm thinking of someone with a very strong draw to them, that's kind of where my mind goes. And I feel like that's kind of how Martha must present herself because she's clearly charismatic to a point where it is dangerous, which I love. And I think that's why she's gotten to where she is in more ways than one. 
Sure, sure. Yeah. So, um, okay, this is a great scene. She's filming a Christmas special at her house that involves her bringing this big turkey into the dining room. It's like a complicated shot, right? It's going to be like a long shot where she like brings the turkey in and the camera follows her and she places it on the table. And then Andy has to stand up and give a speech right when the turkey hits the table. But he keeps missing his mark and basically stepping into the camera and she's going nuts on him. And in reality, it is the camera's fault. Like that is the at a certain point, like she says he's not paying attention to his blocking, but like it is at a certain point, the camera's fault. And also like the way she's running this event is like total dry drunk energy where she's just like raging. She's like, have fun, have fun. Like she, <laughs> oh, yeah, she she's is going trying to like rally these people that she's been verbally abusing on and off. So eventually like she screams at Andy completely embarrasses him and he heads up to the bedroom and of course, this is like when they reveal in the movie, this is the, the taping for her PBS special, her Christmas special. Which that is huge. That is gigantic. Yeah. I mean, basically, like she, he says to her, are you going to come away for Christmas with us still? And like that is to like goes to show like I think they're speeding up time a lot here. Mm-hmm. And we're not we're I mean, and I appreciate the pacing very much. There's nothing that I would like necessarily exclude from this because I do think it's all interesting it was well written but um yeah like it uh it's it's like she's already on pbs now okay that's crazy so then um she says like you know i can't go on this trip i'm too busy for that let's go on another trip he's like you always say that you know just when are you gonna stop with your obsession with work and perfection and she's like oh so like now being like wanting to be successful is a bad thing and Andy's like, listen, if you don't go away with me and Lexi for Christmas, then I don't know what's going to happen to us. Martha's like, well, we'll shoot around you. And she goes downstairs. And I like, I don't think she took that seriously. Like you, this is like really honestly, this stuff that makes me feel like they're implying something about maybe the type of n- narcissist she is or the type of high strung person she is, or maybe something about her personality. But like she doesn't like she is so angry and moving through that movement right that she doesn't realize when she goes upstairs and has this very point blank conversation with her husband that she hasn't made time to have before which is like a pretty major question like how are we spending the holidays as a family right and it very much I think it just is a prime example of how many things to her no matter who it is or what it is are a means to an end so in that exact moment Andy was not her husband he was a prop who couldn't get the blocking. And so it didn't matter. He was matter. an extra. Yeah, he was wasn't an extra. getting it. Exactly. And, but again, this is also another great example of Andy not knowing when to have serious conversations. And I understand that it was an emotionally turbulent moment that, you know, it came out like, well, what are we doing for Christmas? I booked us this trip. You've been ignoring it. And she's like, well, I have book signings. And, you know, clearly there could have been a better time, but obviously it seems like there is never a good time. It is a bigger scheduling issue where I'm like, what do you mean? Your wife is on one book tour. Like you work for her publisher. Like, why aren't you guys all in coordination on this? But yeah, she goes to her, you know, book tour and she talks about how much she 
loved Christmas as a child and they didn't have much. They'd go out and paint acorns they found in the yard for ornaments. But the house was full of love. And then she gets back to her fucking stone cold, empty house. And she, for some reason, didn't even realize, oh, he was being serious. She gets home and she's like, hey, guys, where are you? She realizes, oh, fuck, I'm all alone. So we go to the Kmart offices where a young woman is trying to get people on board with the idea. It's very much painted as like, this is a boardroom full of old men and she is the young, fresh faced, you know, girl that they've given a chance. That's trying to get her voice in. she's trying to get a slam dunk. And uh, she pitches the idea of Martha Stewart. Let's play 5533 to 5617. The thing is, our kitchen corner is stuck in the 50s. We need someone who can make our housewares division exciting. We need a new spokesperson. And I have found the perfect person who can do that for us. Martha Stewart. Who the hell is that? Well, she's a hugely successful Westport, Connecticut caterer who is also a homemaker, devoted to her husband and daughter. She lives the life she portrays. Her new book is a number one bestseller. Oh, roast suckling pig. Sounds good, doesn't it? She embodies the ideals of the American family, hearth and home. I think they should have ended that with the um, she lives the life she portrays line because they smash cut right to Martha standing in a cold, empty upstairs window watching Andy and Lexi return from their Christmas trip. And it's brutal. And you would think she's alone, but no, like there's fucking the whole family down there. Mom's down there. The assistant's down there. And she's all psycho when they come in. She's like, Andy, Lexi, how was your vacation? Um, And he's like, yeah, it was fine. And she goes, did you hear that, mother? He said he had a very nice time on his vacation when he abandoned me. And he's like, I warned you. And she's like, you know what? No, I don't think you did. I think you waited until I was out of the house and you took off without me. Which, come on. Come on, personality. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, like 100%. Like, she just, which is a little valid. I mean, that is what Andy did. But also, it's like, that might have been when their flight was, to be quite honest. And also, this is just yet. It's not what he did. He, he, he didn't sneak around and, like, wait or, like, lay in wait for her to, like, be out at a book signing. Like, he truly told her. We're going on vacation tomorrow. And if you don't come with us, <laughs> we're going to be gone. She just didn't listen because she was like in her uh, PBS Christmas special mode. Right. Exactly. It's like because she again, she just doesn't take Andy seriously. And Andy finally pulled trig on something. He pulled trig. So um, we cut to Andy and Martha walking into their Kmart meeting. This is a great scene. And he's trying to help her out. But Martha has just long stopped listening to him. This She hasn't listened to this man in 10 years. If ever. 5738 to 5830. Just listen to me. Let me do the talking. That's why I'm here. Andy, to wedding layouts. Four o'clock, my office. Whatever you do, don't talk about money. Sign on as our spokesperson and our chain will create a national advertising campaign that'll make you one of the best known personalities in America. Now, we recognize that Martha is more than a visionary when it comes to cooking and decorating. She's also a loving mother and wife that is crucial to our customers. What chain are we talking about? 
the great nationwide chain of Kmart stores. Well, I'm not sure Martha. How much money age. do I get? $200,000 that it occur to you she was prepared to offer you more? It's a great opportunity. I can't believe you want to do this. It's a great opportunity for me. For you, yeah. What are you going to do when they find out we're not the perfect family they think we are? Okay, I loved that scene so much um, because I feel like especially on the heels of like Andy and Lexi abandoning her for Christmas, like they make this play out like it all happened within a span of a week. Um, It felt like she was unknowingly preparing herself if she got divorced. Oh, definitely. Like she was setting herself financially and she was ready to have the narrative set. So even if she didn't have the background, you know, actuality of it all, she would still have the narrative good to go with or without Lexi and Andy. And also like this was a time when there were celebrities that had lines at Kmart, like Jacqueline Smith is mentioned several times. And I think she had like, I think she did like bras and stuff like that. She was one of Charlie's angels and Mm -hmm. she went on to do like, I think bras for them. And then there was like other sort of um like i think there was a i'll look it up there was like a lot of kmart stars and it was something that like you kind of had to be i would say like it's it's almost like having a vegas residency oh yeah i mean it was very much like a candy's coal situation i feel like that's a huge effing deal for martha's face to be on bedsheets when I say Vegas residency, I mean, like, it's kind of a gamble, right? Like, you're admitting that you're mm-hmm. at that part of your career and you're going to, like, be available five nights a week for $75 a ticket. But you're also saying, like, I'm iconic enough that I'm going to do this because Kmart was not Kmart was looked down upon. Like, Kmart did not survive. Right. And also, Martha very much was looking down on Kmart as she was making this deal. Well, she's going to have to. I'm going to play this scene next because I had to. This is incredible the way that she gathers these people who think they're going to do something with her name. It's incredible. So we cut to the Kmart where the woman who nabbed Martha for Kmart, this angel, I'll have to also find her on IMDb. This is terrific. This is exactly what our clients want. A happy homemaker. I just hope she's like Jacqueline Smith. Oh, lovely girl. Never causes any trouble. Martha! Hello, everyone. I'm so looking forward to working with you all. Well, so are we. What's all this crap? Oh, these are some of the products we'll be introducing under the Martha Stewart name. I don't think so. My name cannot be used without my approval, and uh, to put it kindly, this is horrendous the colors are garish there's no philosophy to the design sheets made of what what's the thread count i hate touching this much less lying on it i want cotton i want 300 thread count minimum or this face doesn't sell these sheets Just because Kmart sells inexpensive products doesn't mean they can't be beautiful. That's why I'm here. Not to sink to your level, but to raise you to mine. Okay, so a little tea from what I can remember 
when this actually happened was that this was a time in celebrity culture where they were actually able to like spin something like a person saying, I'm not putting my name on a shitty product into being like this celebrity, like thinks she's better than average Americans. And this was sort of like done to like, you know, this would be something that would be put out by Kmart to say like, Oh, Kmart had to throw out all of this stuff and redo it because Martha Stewart says she demands higher quality linens. And like people would be like, yeah, she thinks she's better than the linens we already have. Like that was definitely something she got weird blowback for. Right. Which now people would see as like a pinnacle of success where it's like, you know what? Good on Martha Stewart for only demanding the best. But at the time, it probably made her seem like the most difficult woman in the world. Yeah. And also it's just like insane that like Kmart would be able to like run news items to local radio shows and be like, hey, like she thinks she's better than us. Because that is something that's going to play on like, especially in a lot of parts of the country, that's going to play like people being like, oh, Martha Stewart thinks she's better than Kmart. Like just like off the bat, like that's a lot of people just believe shit they hear. So I looked up some celebrities that more recently had lines with the now defunct Kmart. Sophia mm-hmm. by Sophia Vergara was one. Oh, what was her thing with Kmart? I wear intimates and swimwear, jewelry, women's clothing. And then oh, wow. John Cena, John Cena had a children's clothing line called Never Give Up. Which is very interesting, but also good on John Cena for expanding his portfolio. Selena Gomez had a line called Dream Out Loud that did jewelry, juniors clothing, and women's shoes. Yeah, sounds about right. Vanessa Hudgens stars in Bongo's Jeans Spring 2015 campaign. I don't know. I think she designed a bunch of jeans. Nicki Minaj collection at Kmart. Intimate swimwear, women's clothing. I love that for Nicki. Oh, yeah. I bet you can get that shit on Depop for like crazy uh, pricing now. I, I mean, I would definitely love a Nicki by Kmart. Uh, Fat Joe, they sick in blackout sneakers for protege discontinued. Unfortunately, now they were men's mm-hmm. shoes. Very unfortunate. Talia Sodi collection, uh, jewelry, women's clothing, Jacqueline Smith collection at Kmart. Jacqueline hung hard with them for many years, women clothing. And then Miss Tina by Tina Knowles, women's clothing. Incredible. Wow. Miss Tina would definitely be an iconic one for sure. But yeah, I mean, like, I love that Martha's not afraid to boss Kmart around. And she's right. Like, this is so this is like it's it's crazy because there is no Instagram or anything. Right. So like Martha's basically like. Like reverse Chrissy Teigen, like people are going to Target and buying pots that have Chrissy Teigen's name on them now because they've lived the Internet experience of her. And back then, like Martha was someone that you probably were unless you like watched PBS or like bought cookbooks, you probably would not know Martha Stewart. But if you shop at Kmart, you might know Martha Stewart. Right. Like those sheets that Kmart was trying to shove on her that were not high quality would have been your first Martha experience, which would just reflect terribly on her. I mean, I commend her for standing up for her quality. 
Amen, Queen. So they definitely slap on like another layer of aging makeup because it's a little jarring in the next scene. Um, But Martha's telling her assistant about how Kmart is the one working for her. They sell her books, but they don't get a penny of the royalties. And she wants to buy another house and redo it just like Turkey Hill. But Kmart is going to pay for all the costs, the process of filming it. And they're going to sell the tapes in their stores. And her assistant's like, you're a fucking genius. And by the way, true. Like she oh, is a yeah. genius. I admire people who game the system like that so much. Like people that manage to figure out ways to get companies to pay for what they want. That's the fucking dream. Like that's the dream. Oh yeah. She like really stuck the landing on this one. And I think all, especially the Turkey Hill house. I mean, that was before all the HGTV, whatever, other than like trading spaces, boys versus girls. And so right. she Right. And so she knew this was like her like sick ass hobby that they would be taking over. And also, especially the VCR of it all. It's not like they were just like doing it for an editorial situation. Like this was going to live forever on VHS, which good for her. Yeah, I know the idea that someone would buy a VHS of someone like planning a dinner is so buck wild to me. But like, of course they would. Oh, 100. Of course they would. So um, now just so everyone knows, uh, not to brag, but we watched this movie on two separate YouTube videos um, that are translated in Spanish um, on the bottom. There's captions for Spanish on it. So, you know, Spanish language listeners, you're in for a treat. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to be reading different time codes and it's because they're from the second link. You guys can go find them. Um, this was, I really wanted to watch this movie. So I was willing to take it in any form it came. And obviously that's responsible partially for the compromise sound. So um, they're having this birthday party for Andy and Martha calls down for Lexi to come down and she comes down holding this guy, Sam, Sam, the guy that was arrested in the IRS thing, Sam Waxall, Right. So Lexi's up in her room with Sam before her dad's birthday. And then, um, you know, some dude at the party is talking to Andy and he's like, so how's the apartment coming? And Martha's like, what apartment? And this like, dude, this is like he that's I mean, as I said earlier, this is like when you when that guy knows about the apartment, everyone's talking about the apartment because that guy is uncouth. Right. That is uncouth. And also this is textbook Andy where he's just like dropping the ball at these events. Like Andy, I don't think is capable of having a private conversation. No, I know. It's really, um, he's that guy. Like he's the guy that like, um, announces his, like says his wife is pregnant to a few people at a wedding. Right. Before his wife is like even taking a test. Well, no, I mean like, you know, like when when you go to a wedding and you're expecting and no one knows, like sort of the rule is you don't announce a pregnancy at a wedding. I feel like Andy's the kind of guy that would go and think, oh, what's the harm in telling a couple of people? But it'll still get back to the bride and groom and people will still be talking about it. And it's just pulling focus in a weird way. It's like not the time, Andy. Right. And it's like, Andy, maybe enjoy your birthday party before you start telling him about your shitty real estate in New York. Like it's all very much like he's been having this conversation as Mark has been sitting at this huge party for him. And then she walks in the door and everyone expects her to know about the, the apartment when she doesn't even know she's being left. So she's like, basically like, 
don't tell me that this is what it sounds like. And he's like, mm-hmm. And he nods. And she's like, why would you do this when you know my reputation at Kmart is dependent on me being a great homemaker? And he's like, uh, maybe that's why I'm leaving, girl. Like, this is insane. And he's like, please don't make a scene. She's like, you're not leaving me. So, of course, there's a scene. And then um, Andy is going to, you know, pack up his stuff and move out while Martha is out getting more accolades for Martha Stewart. Now, Martha Stewart weddings. And the irony of this all being is that she is a fucking faker, dude. She's at a book party for Martha Stewart weddings and her husband is moving out and leaving a note on the table. Brutal. Oh, yeah. And she gives this whole speech about how she wrote weddings for Andy while Andy is at home, you know, packing his bags. I'm going to play this scene. Martha Stewart has millions of fans and you are all proof of it. Just last year alone, Martha had 45,762 people to dinner. Her books, her recipes, her fabulous taste have made her beloved of millions. And now you can buy Martha Stewart at Kmart. A successful businesswoman who balances work and family, a devoted wife and mother. Let's welcome her as she introduces her new book, Weddings. And here she is, Martha Stewart. so much for coming. The success of this book means a lot to me because it is very close to my heart. I could never have made this book happen if it weren't for my wonderful husband, Andy, who has taught me how to love. I wrote weddings for him. He is the love of my life. That's a major psych. And it's I wonder if she even cares. Like, is it is does she not care? No, I think she cares more about the image of it all than Andy actually being around because it doesn't ever show her, you know, saying, you know, I love you. Please don't do this. It's very much like, how dare you situation. Sure, sure, sure. So, um, yeah, the love of her life is gone now. And basically we knew a Martha, you know, I mean. We knew a Martha that couldn't even get people to come to prom and decorate fake jungle trees with her. And now she's, you know, a professional uh, sociopath. So Martha is going to pitch Martha Stewart living again. I want to play this because I love her pitches. Um, 328 to 435. I'm here to talk to you about an idea for a new magazine. It will be named after me and I will be featured on the cover of every issue. This will give the magazine a free ride on my brand identification. And what's this gonna be called? Martha Stewart Magazine? Martha Stewart Living Magazine. It's a natural for Time Warner. Why? Who I am, what I eat, my favorite plants, that's what sells. The millions of people who buy my books buy my products at Kmart, and they're gonna buy my magazine. It's a perfect example of synergy. Synergy? Kmart has spent millions making me a household name. I'll use that name to promote my magazine. My magazine will promote my Kmart products. Martha Stewart will cross-promote Martha Stewart products, books, and Martha Stewart Living Magazine. That's Synergy. 
from my very own bees who feed on my very own flowers. Honey, from my table to yours. See, that does, they're kind of painting it a little bit like a Hannibal Lecter moment. It was very Hannibal Lecter, which as we know, there's that weird crossover in her life, but it's like, especially with the honey where she's like my very own bees from my very own flowers, like blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it's, she has all the components and she knows that she knows that this can be a thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying maybe she couldn't date him because she was like, I relate too much. That might've been it. You know what? She might've, you know, been looking in a mirror. I see too much of myself in that. Um, yeah. So, I mean, they make it sound like she sort of created the idea of brand synergy. And I will say that, like, I think she definitely added a new dimension to it. And maybe I'm just not thinking like with my full brain, but I feel like, I don't know, didn't George Foreman do that too, to a degree? I mean, she definitely created a media empire, but in a new way of doing it. Like when you're in the home goods area, yeah, I guess she did kind of blow it out. I'm, I, I know there, there must be some example before her, but maybe she is a pioneer. I don't know. Well, I guess this was also kind of before, like, I mean, but also correct me if I'm wrong, but this was also kind of pre like food network where the media personalities like headed everything, you know, it wasn't all like freaking read Drummond. I mean, was Paula Dean already a thing? Cause this was early 2000s. No, 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 no. She's like before that, like Rachel Ray was considered like a sort of junior Martha Stewart, but like, I mean, Julia child, I guess was I, the I, first. Yeah, I, I, but I don't know if like Julia Child had like the commercial reach. Like, I do no. feel like Martha came up at the right time, and they do do a very good job of per, like portraying her as being very savvy to like up and coming business ventures. Which again, which is why I feel like we're in a race to see who sells the NFT first. Is it Martha Stewart or Bethany Frankel? But um, we cut to a courtroom. Basically, there was an incident at Andy's workplace that led up to them pushing for the divorce to be final. And apparently Martha shows up and causes a scene. She's saying that she can make it work, uh, you know, because the magazine's going to come out. So don't worry, Andy, like we're going to work on our <laughs> our marriage as soon as the magazine's out. And he's like, it's too late. And Mar- Martha's like, you're having a fucking affair, aren't you? So um that's basically like they kind of do like a little artsy moment, I guess, to tell us about the divorce. So Martha pulls up on the side of the road, dude. It's her assistant. Her assistant's out jogging and Martha tells her that she's going to write a letter to her parents telling them that she's a whore. Which is so ballsy. So, so ballsy. But it, w- it was just like, of course, it's it was the so assistant. evil. Oh, it's like, it, could you imagine anything more hurtful than like a bona fide celebrity that's had you under like your had your daughter like under their wing writing you a letter saying that your offspring is a whore like that is so mortifying to have done. It's so mortifying to be done too. like Martha is really going for it with this one. She's like, I'm going to Connecticut your way into never not experiencing shame amongst your family again. Right. And I feel like the whole thing is. I feel like she's not necessarily mad at the affair. I feel like she's more bad at the visual that it's now giving other people where it's just like Andy went behind her back. He didn't respect her enough to, you know, just get divorced and then, you know, hook up with the assistant. Like she's, it's always about the visual of it all. And she's like, okay, well you ruin 
my image. Well, I'm going to ruin yours by telling your mom and your dad that you are a slut, which, you know, she really just put the old one, two on her. Yeah, I think like I think that, yeah, she knew that this would go public ultimately because like the second that affair is mentioned, I'm sure people are digging unless she was explicitly named in the lawsuit, which wouldn't shock me either. But um, yeah, Andy also wants half the money and she finds him on the street after the hearing. She's like, hey, motherfucker, is this all about money for you? Like this is and he's like, no, listen, I just want what is my fair share. She's like, tell me the truth. What's going on? He's like, the truth is, is that you'll never be happy because no one will ever be good enough for you. And, you know, you don't know what you have because you always need the next best thing. Like he's basically like fully reads her. I think he could have gone harder. It wasn't full like. Honestly, I really think that he could have gone harder. This definitely is the made for TV movie version of what he could have said to her. Oh, right. I think he was definitely holding back. But I think he also knew at the end of the day, like he was holding a lot of the cards because he had this affair and he was taking away her perfect family image that she had created. And so it's like, I feel like Andy's the type where he could walk away knowing that he was always going to have the last word, even if he didn't say it out loud. For real, for real. Yeah, like I, yeah, I think that like this also was like proving the thesis of the movie. Like I think they needed to ground what they're, what they were saying about Martha in some sort of monologue. And this is like the closest they could get to that. So mm-hmm. um yeah. Uh, Martha does a cooking demonstration at Kmart for a bunch of shoppers. And this is another great scene. They really are showing her as just a woman on the edge. And I do wonder if like a softer retelling of it, like through the lens of what we're going through now, because I think this movie came out in, I think it was 2003. Uh, let me check my other window. Yeah, this movie came out um, in 2003. And that is not the best time to tell stories about women. I think we've learned more and more these days, especially like women in pop culture. So this like, you know, under a different lens, I would like to see how that's handled. And I think Martha should do a Wendy Williams and produce her own Lifetime movie about herself because it would be an excellent opportunity for her. I know she would like the synergy, honey, synergy. You're working with Snoop Dogg. She would really love it. And also, it's just like now people are so obsessed with Martha Stewart just because she's this like badass, hot, older woman. And people respect her so much because she just does what she feels. And I feel like if this exact story was told now, it would be told as like, hell yeah, watch Martha Stewart just like rail everyone down and still come out on top. Like that's how it would be told these days. She has a... full-blown like intergenerational fan base like there's families that love martha stewart together there's like kids who love her because of her stuff with snoop dogg they think she's this like funny old lady who smokes pot and does you know snacks like it's great so uh martha's doing her demonstration at kmart let's play 7 30 to 8 54 my lemon curd tartlet is totally delicious and very pretty with a dollop of whipped cream and candied violets martha I tried making the lemon tartlets and they don't turn out right. You have to follow the recipe. Oh, I tried the recipe twice, exactly the way you said. There is nothing wrong with my recipe. Obviously, you can't cook. (laughs) Martha, excuse us, please. 
Marthy, you can't just tell our shoppers that they can't cook. What if there is something wrong with your tartlets? Mr. Wielding, since I've been spokesperson for Kmart, things have gone very well for you. I can talk to the customers any way I please, and there's nothing wrong with my tartlets. Oh, I have a meeting. My magazine is a huge success. It makes sense that I have my own TV show. I could offer the viewers inspiration and how-to information on entertaining, cooking, gardening, painting, You can't just produce a television show just like that. Of course you can. You're Time Warner. Martha, just because you have an idea for a show... I don't just have an idea. I have the complete concept already laid out in my magazine. All we have to do is bring it to life. All we have to do? That's a huge undertaking. And? Look, just because something works in your magazine or in a book, it doesn't mean it's necessarily going to translate to television. It's a whole different medium. You're not going to get your own TV show. Well, don't tell Martha Stewart she can't do anything, bitch, because it's going to come back to bite you. Oh, yeah, she proved him wrong so hard, including the woman who complained about the lemon tartlets, who Martha was not going to have that at all. But also, like, truly... If you know someone that's like in a situation like this where they're like having a blow up and like burning professional and fan relationships and then like going into a place where they do a lot of business and making crazy demands, like maybe reach out to them because this does present as if I didn't know they weren't they were trying to tell a lot of story in a short amount of time. I would think that she's manic, like going from Kmart, just randomly remembering she has a meeting in the middle of her <laughs> speech about how she can talk shit to customers. Like I'm thinking she's manic. And I oh, say yeah. that not even I say that as a person who has <laughs> some mood swings myself. Um, yeah, it, it seems like she's in a state the way that they portrayed her. So um you know, Martha walks into a meeting with an executive and this is another moment where they're like, he's like, oh, and she's like, I have muffins for you. He's like, I hate muffins. And he's like, listen, um, I've taught women there's an art to raising families and I want my own television series. And he's like, well, the magazine you're with is with time and you should go to them. And she's like, well, they don't want me. And he's like, well, then why would I want you? And he's like, a show like this would not be profitable. But she says, you know, I'm not interested in profit. He's like, shows are shows have to make money, Martha. Like, spell it out. What are you trying to say? And she explains that basically her plan is to sell ads to the people, to the companies, rather, that already buy space in her magazine. So all of the business will feed into each other. And he's like, so it's like a commercial dis- like disguised as a program. Or it's like a commercial inside of an infomercial. And like basically realizing like this is, the best way to make so much fucking money. So he's like, it's brilliant. Um, Martha shoots an episode of her show. She's weird on camera. They do a good job of taking this like good actress and giving it that Martha thing where she's like a little self-conscious always on camera. Right. It's kind of like when she was first writing her first book where she was like, just, you know, kind of awkwardly talking about how to fold napkins. Like she doesn't have like, you know, the the natural term that like say like a Rachel Ray does, right? But she has the smarts right. and she has the ideas, but she is not like this gregarious personality. Well, yeah, Rachel Ray was definitely like, I would say Food Network's response to Martha Stewart because mm-hmm. like they whatever Martha had, they were like, okay, take that same thing except this woman like cooks hot dogs with like canned food and like can make a meal out of like 
prepackaged stuff. Like she can make something happen. It was the anti Martha. So, um, yeah, she goes on this like hike and she meets this woman, Caroline Cass. And I don't really know what it is. It's like some women's excursion where like they weren't allowed to talk about men or something. Like I'm assuming this is like some get your groove back sort of meeting. So um, she's like, hey, you're you're dating Sam Waxel. And she's like, yeah. And you have this moment where you're like, oh, wait, that's the guy that Lexi brought to her party. The guy that came downstairs with Lexi. So we did some digging and I'm sure there's people that are going to know more. But I know that he was like a family friend that Martha referred to as the family pet later on. Um, she had like a cuddly relationship with him and that um you know, basically, she said that whenever he was around, like if anyone wanted to cuddle with him, you could. And also, he's the type of person that if you were seen with him, everyone assumes you're sleeping with him. Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm guessing he's the Kim Kardashian of that Connecticut area circa like 2006 when everyone was like, oh, Kim K's out. Like she's probably, you know, bowing that dude. Right. Exactly. Like, I feel like immediately everyone kind of pegs it. Right. So. uh Basically, it's unclear, but it does seem like Martha fucked her daughter's ex-boyfriend. Um, so, yeah, she's like, you know, what's going on? Basically, there's synergy between these two women. Uh, long story short, and they wind up deciding to get together at her house in Westport. And um, the Westport house is, I think, the house that she redid with the budget from Kmart because she did mention something about how Westport was like an up and coming area, like a place near Turkey Hill was an up and coming area that celebrities were moving. So it would make sense that Martha would have her eye on that and get Kmart to like pay for her to be in the nicer area. Um, But yeah, like Caroline is now going to be like her business number one. And uh, let's play 1208 to 1334. Martha, I've concluded after looking over these contracts with time that you're being exploited. They're really taking a lot of your profits. Should I put these cookies here? Yeah, that'll be fine. You gotta ask yourself, Martha. What do you want? Control. Here, put another cup of that in there. Okay. Well, that's right. Without control, you have no power. So what do these guys like that you're dealing with at time? Are they as tough as I heard? Yeah. Bunch of jerks. The potential they see when a smart, sexy woman walks in the room has very little to do with business. And by the time we're through with them, you will have severed your relationship with time. You're going to own your own businesses, and you will be rich. You see, what Martha doesn't understand is that... What Martha understands is this. I don't need you. You slow me down. You get in my way. I'm through being nice. Now, I want 40% equity or I'm gone. You never really wanted Martha Stewart. That's right. Let's see what you can do with Martha Stewart living without Martha Stewart to kick her around. By the way, I've re-signed with Richard Scheingold. Five shows a week, and I own them. Do you think they were trying to allude to Martha and Caroline, like having a little something going on? Because the last shot they showed of the two of them, like Martha was like stroking Caroline's hair like she was thinking about it. And then we see that she cut her hair. Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. But also, I feel like, again, it's like this energy that they create with Martha 
and just about anyone she interacts with in any sort of intimate setting. It's like, I feel like they're always trying to suggest that she is like ready to jump any sort of bones. Yeah, like she's a seductress. They definitely do. There's so many like kind of sexist tropes in here. And, you know, Martha is a whole ass human. So I do think parts of these things could be true, but it'd be interesting to see what they elevated. So basically, long story short, they fucking kill it. They get Morgan Stanley to give them a bunch of fucking money so they can buy out of their Kmart deal. And um, it's next level. Like this is like considered to be the coup of the century. Um, They basically brainwashed this Kmart guy, Mr. Wielding over a dinner. And it's sort of like they play into this threesome energy. I think Caroline even feeds him a bite of his food. Like it's very, uh, you know, so they, it's enough to get the 16 million advance they need. So then once they go to Morgan Stanley, they basically, you know, convince them that she's a perfect investment because like in order to with Morgan Stanley, if they're going to lend her this sort of money, they need to know that she is not going to lose it. And she's like, sweetie. I have a TV show. I have my line. I have a radio show. I have Kmart. I have my deal is so multi-layered that it would take something colossal to bring me down. So then she goes into Time Warner and says, I don't have 82 million in cash. Will you take a check? And none of them can believe she pulled it off. So um, this is a huge moment for them. And as the newscaster so, you know, geniusly put it at the very end. She says this will be considered one of the biggest coups in media history. And it was all cooked up by two women in a Connecticut kitchen. So we see Martha ringing the bell at the New York Stock Exchange because her company is going public. It's also full circle with Martha and the Stock Exchange, which is just so I mean, she is. I think she's a boomer, right? Oh, yeah. And she like connected truly all of her experiences to create this like, you know, amazing like homemaker aesthetic who also has all the brains that can run an insanely wealthy business. I mean, she's worth $1 billion after going public. She didn't waste a minute. So, um, yeah, I mean, the two of them like cackle when they're out on the street, just like looking up at the fact that they're worth a billion dollars. So Martha pulls up to the show and everyone on set, this is like now post like the news coming out that she had done this sort of uh, insider trading shit. And everyone on set's talking about it until she pulls up 1915 to 2018. All right, she's here. No, no, no. She said she had a standing order with the broker to sell if the shares went below 60 bucks. Look, she sold the shares the day before they tanked. Yeah, she's going to risk her entire empire for 200,000 bucks. Hi, I'm Martha Stewart. Sometimes we learn something new about orchids, but today we're going to learn an entirely new recipe with lima beans. Are you kidding me? Where are the lima beans? I'm sitting here talking about lima beans and there aren't any. Someone in my staff forgot to put out the lima beans. Excuse me? Why is everyone here so stupid? 
So I tried to find this clip because I do think that this happened. Like, I feel like Lima Beans is burned into my head for one reason or another. And it might be because this movie was like heavily memed. But I feel like this did happen where she like lost her temper a few times on her show in a way that was like, um, was there no way to cut around that? Right. And it's kind of like the same thing that happened. Like when she was like, I just want to focus on my salad. And she like just chops up that fucking cabbage. And, you know, metaphorically chopping off that woman's head. It's like, and it's like how she wom- yelled at the woman about the lemon tartlet. It's like, she was so unstable at this point, just trying to maintain her image of like, oh, nothing is wrong. These things will air. Everyone will pretend like the news isn't even happening about my insider trading scandal, but she can't keep it together. Right, right. You know, Martha, they portrayed as Martha's not able to pull away from this news cycle about herself. Like she comes home and she's like listening to the talk radio on the drive home and she gets home and watches watches these late night shows. And, um, you know, people are talking about how she lost over four hundred million dollars. And, you know, we see a clip of Andy and Martha's former assistant just like kind of cuddled up watching this tonight show about her and Martha does an intro to one of her shows and it's kind of surreal. And we pull away from her to realize that she's in a jail cell all by herself. And we hear a woman from a few cells over scream, shut up, bitch. And it was just a nightmare. So Martha like gets out of bed after this nightmare and she starts like pulling all these bowls and fruits and veggies out. And it's like very like chaotic. Who knows what she's making? And then she stops and looks around, then hunches over and cries for a moment. Then after giving herself just a minute to pity herself, she picks up her phone and she makes a call saying she needs everyone to get together right now. And uh, she's hosting a late night brainstorming session for a writer's room. She truly does like walk out and choose a higher path after this, because after the last suggestion, this meeting, I'd fire my whole team. I'd be like, please put me in jail. Actually, uh, 20 to 48 to 23, 21. Come on, I need ideas. Forward thinking that radically we conceive my show. We need to find a new audience and we need to revitalize the old. There's some natives in Nova Scotia. You could fish with them and learn how to plank salmon. We could go to Mount Vernon. We could tour the kitchen garden and then cook an elegant Martha Washington dinner. I like chocolate. Can you do something with that? You could hunt for truffles and everything. We could go to New Mexico. Find your spirit animal, cook the animal, and then we'll air it all on TV. Where are you going? Okay. Um, find your spirit animal, cook your spirit animal, and we'll air it all on TV. That was the biggest flop of an idea I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, you're in PR, so like, you know, this is a great chance to practice out your skills. She's facing this. Do you think she does uh, like jail food? Do you think she like practice making her her spread with like her ramen and all that shit or what? Honestly, that would have been incredibly camp and she should have leaned into it. I think it would have been camp, right? Probably disrespectful. Probably not something that aged well, but definitely better than go find your spirit animal. <laughs> that's like it's like i actually don't even know if i can air that if i'm being honest but no it's like that's uh they're desperate but then remember like she had this weird feud in real life with gwyneth paltrow and do you remember when gwyneth paltrow posted that whole recipe on goop that was like jailbird cake and it was basically like a ripoff of a martha stewart cake 
Oh, my God. No, that's crazy. I didn't know. I mean, I'm not surprised Gwyneth has balls like that. But like, why for like, why do you have to have balls like that? Oh, yeah. Apparently she and Martha just have this like insane beef, which is so funny to me because I feel like in an alternate universe, like they really would truly be allies for one another. But I feel like they both kind of missed the boat on that one. And instead, they just have this weird rivalry where essentially like Martha thinks Gwyneth is a hippy dippy bitch and Gwyneth thinks she's tacky. Right. I'm so sure. I mean, yeah, I do feel like Martha is like the diva. Oh, 100%. Because you know that she sees herself as the blueprint, which I would argue she very much is. And so when, you know, here comes... Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then here comes Gwyneth, who's like, you know, here she comes with Apple and her conscious uncoupling and let me make like the world's worst jackfruit taco. Then, yes, like, I feel like I might be a little resentful as well. For sure. For sure. So... This is great. A great ending, honestly. And and we do know Martha behind bars is coming, but we haven't done it yet. So Martha takes off without a word and gets into her car and people on talk radio. It's a real mixed bag. Like there's women calling in being like innocent until proven guilty. Some dude calls in. She's like, she's a greedy bitch. And then a woman calls in and she's like, she's a role model to so many women, not just as a homemaker, but as a businesswoman. Very reminiscent of uh, the Tupperware woman. And then this gay guy calls in and says, well, I mean, presumably and says, uh, even if she's guilty, still going to buy her sheets. And Martha's like, you know what? I might have a place in this world. And she passes like a farm sign, a sign that's basically like farmer's market. And it's the market where she used to sell pies. And she walks through and everyone's like staring at her at first. And then like one woman comes up to her and says, Martha, we're doing a pie contest. Will you taste our pies? And then like everyone, like this is her spot, right? She's at the farming community. Like everyone's losing their shit for Martha. And she realizes she still has the love of so many people. And then we get the titles. That's it. That's they end us with like a a great note. They really do. And I feel like that wasn't even for the viewer because at the time, obviously she had not been indicted and sent to prison. So they couldn't give us that ending. But I feel like it was almost, that was for Martha. Cause I feel like they knew that Martha would watch this. And I think they wanted to give her just like that little acknowledgement of like, Hey, you're still loved. I hope you still know that because you can only imagine how, how she was feeling the thing she was going through. And I feel like that was almost not for the viewer. I feel like it was for Martha herself. It was very kind. Yeah. Martha does have a really good sense of humor about herself. Like I do think, I don't think that she like, I think that's why she did so well in prison, honestly, or jail prison. Yeah. I think that's why she did so well in prison was because like, she is not that emotional. Like it doesn't need to be that emotional. She's going to make the best of the experience. Like, I don't think that she's like Barbara Walters where like if someone does a mean impression of her on SNL, she's very hurt. Like, I feel like Martha probably experienced this and I know she's made fun of it before. I've seen some um, online chatter about how she made fun of this movie, but I haven't found those clips yet. This was like 
I just did trend lightly yesterday. I'm not trying to say we, I didn't spend time on this episode. I just didn't look up all the fixins. So if uh, I might try and link some of those in the description, some like clips where she's making fun of it, or at the very least I'll post something on Instagram, but yeah. Um, Pippa, this was such a fun movie to do with you. I'm so excited. Do you feel like ready to go take on your adult life now that you've seen all of this? I really do. I feel like the whole redemption story of our, you know, your friend of mine, Martha Stewart, is one that we can all learn from as we all phoenix ourselves into the next era of our lives. Mine specifically as I uh, leave Charleston, first of all, camp with my parents in the southernmost part of Alabama for like three weeks. And then I head to New York just to like really culture shock myself. Uh, And yeah, I do feel very much more prepared than I did two seconds ago. And you will be leaving your baking life behind, but do you still plan on baking in your personal life? Oh yeah. I mean, that's how I started baking in my professional life was baking just for fun on the internet for attention. And that's how I got to where I am today. So, and I think that's how Martha and I have so much in common is, you know, we just cannot stand by and, you know, not get our credit for where credit is due. So I, I will kill someone if they oppress you, Pippa. By the way, can I ask you really quick? Will you oh, please? Yeah. I cannot believe I didn't think of this beforehand. I, sorry, I completely interrupted you and derailed you, but I had this idea. Do oh, yeah, you have it. a cookie recipe we can post in the description of this podcast? Oh, fuck. I don't have one like off the top of my head, but I have great recommendations for. Oh, I can just lie, lie and write one. Martha would lie and write one right now. So like when we get off, maybe throw together a little cookie recipe. Oh, yeah. I can definitely like fudge one for you. I would be more than happy to do that. Well, get America making your cookies. Don't lie, though. Sammy, cut all that out. Don't cut it out. But we're going to empower you as a businesswoman in the future. Just lie. Perfect. I'm more than happy to set off into this next stage of my career as a bona fide liar who's very (laughs) good. I'm so glad we taught you well. Um, So yeah, no, this is exciting. Congratulations and and good luck on everything. And thank you so much for coming and doing this movie. I mean, thank you for letting me straight up uh, love bomb into your DMs and basically demand that I be a guest on the show because most people would be like, okay, blocked. And you were like, bet, are you free on the 30th? Well, to be clear, that's absolutely like not what you did. I don't even think you even like, I don't even know. I think you might've said like, maybe it was very subtle. You were like, oh, I'd be, I would love to come on the show sometime. And then like this Martha Inc. got thrown in my lap and I was like, oh my God, I should I should do that. And I think the girl I was just talking to, I think she's a baker. So like, maybe I'll, maybe this is all synergy. Okay. You guys, thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week. Bye. Learn something new all this week on Martha Stewart living. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.